1: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's Baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. The field deep, going back, looking up, he will watch him fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, Go 3 it. Cody Bellinger hits one out, he He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: What is happening, A's fans and baseball fans around the land? Yes, this is A's Cast Live. As we're getting you ready for another edition of A's baseball and everything going around in major league baseball. There's only 36 games left for the A's. If, if you can believe it and they're starting a two game set against the Arizona diamondbacks. And that's going to be at the Coliseum. And I got to tell you the snakes, they're as hot as you can be. And it's scary. And the A's they better bring it because these guys are 13 and 3 in their last 10. They've scored 90 runs in 13 games. So check this out. You want to talk about a team that's red hot. Their first 11 games, they hit a buck 94, two home runs, average 2.6 runs per game. And they started out three and eight their last 13 games. They're hitting 305, 19 home runs, 6.9 runs per game. And they got 10 and three record. You better be ready. Jesus Lazardo. The A's are going to need a big one out of you today. Going up against Merrill Kelly, who's three and one with a 1.73 ERA. We have a fantastic show, and I know I say that every time, but it's true. We're going to have Corey Beck on from Coppola Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery. Corey is not only the CEO, the big dog, but Corey is a huge A's fan. i mean, a huge A's fan. And we did the interview with him last year where I got to meet him in the treehouse, and I got to realize, oh yeah, this guy's been a big fan since the seventies. So Coppola, they are huge supporters of A's baseball. And one of the reasons why is Corey. And so it's always fun. To talk a little, uh, talk a little wine and baseball and it's going to be good. So he's the CEO. He's the winemaker. And just a hell of a guy and a great A's fan is going to join us coming up here at 315. Former All-Star, was one of the best outfielders of his generation. Now an assistant to the president with the Diamondbacks and very good friends with Bob Melvin. Luis Gonzalez is going to join us. Gonzo will be here at 330. And then from SiriusXM and also a part of the Diamondbacks broadcast team, Our good friend Mike Farron, who covers the game of baseball, as good as anybody. Did somebody say it's a Wednesday? Well, if it's Wednesday, that means it's Ray Fossey Day. Ray Fossey will be here for a half hour. No interruption. No commercials. Ray Fossey at 4.30. And then at 5 o'clock, it's the Bob Melvin Show. You get it every single week. Brought to you by NessBetting.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com right now. Mattress, pillows, accessories, sheets, you know, get the whole thing and use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off the entire order. That's nestbedding.com. We'll be bringing you Bob Melvin today at five o'clock. Commander, how are you?
3: I'm good. You know, with everything going on outside, I walked, uh, I walked outside for a little bit and. I realized what's going on, so I came back inside with, you know, the, the hurt fires that are going on. We have one by us in Santa Cruz, so that's a little little scary, but, you know, we're in a safe distance. But I remember you saying something. You had ash falling in your backyard. It's a little hazy out here in San Jose, and I've heard it's worse in the East Bay. But other than that, everything's great. I did a podcast yesterday with the former face of A's All Night and the voice of the ports, Alex Jensen. So that was, uh, that was exciting. I talked a lot about Ace Cast and what we're doing here, so... It's been a a, yesterday not having a show. I I found things to do to stay busy. The podcast was one, and I'm glad we're back here today to get ready for A's D-backs round two.
2: I'm looking at NBC Bay Area, and I better check before they – nope, their video is going to be roughly 20 separate fires burning in five counties, including three in the Bay Area – have consumed 85,000 acres, Cal Fire said Wednesday. The collection of blazes is 5% contained. The fires make up the SCU Lightning Complex, are located in Santa Clara, Alameda, Contra Costa, San Joaquin, Stanislaus counties, Cal Fire said. I can tell you, I woke up this morning and taking the dog out, and I noticed that there were all these white things on my deck. And I immediately went, what is it? And I realized it's ash. And as I was walking into my home studio, uh, there's some ash falling at my house right now. Once again, it's scary. This is something that we've dealt with uh, all through California, and we always will deal with this, unfortunately. And I wonder what they're going to do about the game tonight. I mean, as of right now, there really, you know, there hasn't been any – I don't know if they are talking about I haven't really looked on Twitter. Uh, Cody, have you seen anything talk about potentially canceling the game tonight?
3: The only thing I saw was something Susan put out. uh, I think it was like two hours ago talking about how they're monitoring the situation and, and that was it. I haven't seen anything since then. I think Susan sent that tweet. I'm trying to find the exact time when she, she put that out. It was about two hours ago. It says, it sounds as if the game tonight is still on, but there's a chance of postponement statement from the A's We are monitoring the air quality and its potential impact on tonight's game, the health and safety of our players, staff, and community is our highest priority. So, That was about two hours ago from Susan on Twitter. Susan Sluster, that is.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at this video on NBC Bay Area. It looks like there's fires all over California right now. Yeah, I think Governor Newsom had a tweet
3: about what's going on, um, about how many different fires and lightning strikes we've seen in the last couple days. Like, it's been crazy. Oh,
2: my God. The lightning was unbelievable. Yeah, it is very, very sad. hope everybody is safe. And, you know, the air quality, having been out today myself, the air quality – Is not good. So if you can, stay inside, which I know we've had you inside for a long time. But, yeah, there's no reason to be out exercising or being out in this kind of weather. This is is definitely not good. Uh, Here's
3: the official numbers, by the way. 10,849 lightning strikes in the past 72 hours and 367 known fires. That's according to our governor, Gavin Newsom, on Twitter. That is insane when it comes to both, especially the lightning strikes, because I've lived here since the end of 2012, and I don't remember seeing that many lightning. The lightning we saw the last couple days, I don't think I've ever seen since I've lived here. I mean, I grew up with it on the East Coast because thunder, thund, thunderstorms are big in Pennsylvania, but living here, I never saw that. And the last couple days, it's been, it's been crazy to see what's going on with the weather and the heat and everything. So
2: I hope everyone stays safe. And if the A's do play tonight, they got to play better against good competition. They're, they're three and four against teams that are over 500. And they have struggled against the good teams of the NL West. They struggled against the Rockies, and now they have struggled against the Diamondbacks, who are hot. That's just a reality. And one thing that we know about the A's, and it's something that I I, I take questions about this all the time, In the postgame show is, can they score runs without hitting home runs? Well, I mean, that's, that's, it's who they are. And right now they're striking out at a, at a pretty alarming rate. But Matt Chapman has 34 Ks and 98 at bats. Now, when he puts the ball in the air, you know, there was that note during the giant series that when he puts the ball in the air, no one's hitting the ball harder in the air than Matt Chapman as he changes swing a little bit, but he's striking out a ton. Marcus Simeon's not giving you a lot at the top of the order. It's feast or famine with Matt Olson. He When, you, when he gets a hit, it's either a home run or not. Now, he's got a couple hits, but for the most part, what do you have, seven hits in a row? They were all home runs. And the starting pitching hasn't been as fabulous. And the bullpen hasn't been as fabulous. 36 games left. That's it. It is crazy to think, but that's the sprint is on. And you look at Interleague play, they are three and four in Interleague play compared to 13 and four against the American League West. And the last eight games, starting pitching. Hasn't been so hot. Two and two with a 9.45 ERA in the last eight games. Woo! I did not want to see that number. And then that, you know what that does? That puts the pressure on the next two starts like you wouldn't believe. And those next two starts. Are Jesus Lazardo and Sean Mania? Jesus Lazardo 1 0 with a 4.79 ERA. Sean Mania 0-2 with a 7.65 ERA. This has kind of been my dilemma. What is Jesus Lazardo going to give you if he's not perfect? If he's perfect, he can give you six innings. If he's not, like the notes here, Hazel Cisardo was roughed up for the first time in his brief career, his last time out, allowing six runs on nine hits, including two home runs in three and a third innings at San Francisco. Now he got bailed out because it ended up being an extra inning game and heroics by the offense. But you can't, you can't have a game today where he goes out and doesn't give you anything because Frankie Montas didn't give you anything the day before. Frankie yesterday went an inning in two-thirds. You need some length from Jesus Lazardo. and that is kind of a scary proposition. You need some innings. I mean, luckily, before that, you got five in the third from Bassett, then you got six from Fires before that, but the fact that you got, an inning and two thirds, and and the next two guys out after Montas are both guys that are not known as innings eaters. And Lazardo and Manaya that can be scary. This is something that I've been bringing up. I don't want Lazardo and Montas to pitch back back to back. Someone's got to be in between them, like a Chris Bassett. We will get into that. But more importantly. We're going to talk some wine. Earlier this week, I got a chance to talk to the CEO and winemaker of Coppola Wines, great sponsor and great partner of the Oakland Athletics. Corey Beck is a super guy. He's a huge A's fan, and uh, he was just enjoying what we were all enjoying as a great weekend of A's baseball versus the San Francisco Giants. Here's my interview with Corey Beck, CEO of the Francis Ford Coppola Winery in Sonoma. Well, Corey, the last time that we were doing this, we were in the treehouse. We had a little wine. We were talking Coppola. We were talking about the A's. Obviously, the world has changed a lot, but it's great to see you. Great to hear from you. How has life been treating you up there in wine country?
0: Thanks, Tony. I'll tell you. It's been quite a little run. I mean, not only obviously with COVID with, you know, the rest of the world, but then recently here we've had, you know, 48 hours of uh, lightning strikes and, and actually we have got spot fires kind of all around the area. Um, it feel, I mean, it's really humid. It's really, it's hot. But yes, I mean, we're, you know, lack of a better term, weathering the storm.
2: You know, I took my kids outside yesterday and I said, and they're like, we don't want to go outside. I'm like, I just want you to go outside and get in the sun and the humidity. And just this is what Texas and Florida is like. Just wanted to let you know. And this is why we live in California, because normally we don't have to deal with this kind of weather.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. But uh, but yeah, no, we're we're good. I mean, we're open at the winery. We we're able to open our pool. Uh, just after Memorial Day. So pool has been open, of course, with restricted usage. We we have about half the people that we normally have. Uh, And we're very fortunate here because we have such a large outdoor seating area. So we're able to keep people socially distanced and have a beautiful experience being outside.
2: And I think up at your winery, obviously it's so beautiful, but just what is it like to see the expression on the people's faces that just to have some some sense of normalcy for a little bit to be outside to have some wonderful wine to be with family and friends doing it safe but just just tell us about the joy that you see when they on people's faces when they come to the winery.
0: Yeah Tony that's a great question. In fact most of the people that we encounter I mean first of all the people that are regulars that have been coming to the pool for years, and now that we have it half capacity, you know, they're begging us to keep it that way forever, right? Because the experience people are having and the one-on-one attention that people are getting, the the experiences are actually heightened a bit because we don't have, say, quote, unquote, the larger crowds, right? So time well spent with the customer and then to let the customer just talk like that's what we're finding. They just want to they just want to chat. They're happy to be out, as you said, which is a great point. So. It's been really, really nice. It's kind of part therapy, you know, if you will.
2: Yeah, because, you know, in Northern California, we're so different from so many spots around the country that we've been basically in some type of lockdown since March. So the fact that I I know that we were able to get up to uh, wine country briefly uh, before the season started and just I know our party was just God, it's just nice to to feel. We know it's not normal, but it's just nice to be out and to be out and about in the beautiful sunshine. And Napa is just always a place people go because it makes them feel better. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's exactly it. And so we're getting we're getting a lot of those those people up just to come up for the day, take their mind off of whatever that is, be it the news, be it COVID. I mean, you name it, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on, and I think we can provide a place for people to feel safe and uh, and also enjoy you know wine country.
2: And and I know a lot of people during this time have been consuming wine. I mean obviously at night you like to crack open a bottle and watch your favorite shows or sit outside or everything. So I I think that's probably been pretty good for you guys too even though I mean we'd love to get rid of COVID-19. It's awful but people are drinking wine.
0: Oh, they are. I'll have I have got a great story for you about that. I was I was with my uh some buddies over the weekend celebrating our 50th birthday. We all turned 50 this year. And so I uh, was able to get a a vintage Taylor's 1970 port, right? Our birth year, -year 50-year-old wine. And we were drinking it while the A's were coming back to beat the Giants, you know, in in the ninth inning. Uh, And I'll tell you, and my buddies, a good handful of them, one of them used to work for the Giants. So it was it was pretty good. So your point right on about drinking wine during this time and watching our favorite things. And I got to say, I mean, being a huge sports fan to have baseball, you know, back, soccer back, hockey, basketball. And again, you brought this up earlier. It's not like we normally know it, but you know what? It's something. And those my kind of you know, message to the winery is continuing to be to look at the silver lining each day. Right? Like if we can find a silver lining each day, it's gonna help you get through to the next day. And uh and sports has been that silver lining for a lot of people, as you know.
2: Well, I want all A's fans to know if you're going wine tasting or if you're at the store and you see Coppola wine, this this brand, this winery supports the Oakland A's and are hu- you're a huge, you guys are huge A's fans. I want A's fans to know that, that, I mean, you live and die this, just like we do. And over the weekend watching these games, I mean, I, I know for a fact and getting to meet you last year, what a huge A's fan you are.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I still have my father's ticket that he went 1973 to see the uh, A's Reds in the World Series. I think it was like $4 and 50 cents, you know, for the seat. Uh, But yeah, so it's been uh, it's been a long, long time.
2: No doubt. I mean, you think you go back into the seventies and you talk about the greatness of the seventies. And then as we're growing up in the late eighties and everything, by the way, happy birthday to you and your guys.
0: Yeah, thanks. It was fun. It it was, it was, uh, it was good. So here's another quick little A's thing. So growing up, uh, my brother and I were really big into collecting tops baseball cards and it was, you could still buy the packs with the gum in it. Right. Yeah. So I had put you know, over the course of the years, a lot of this in my mom's attic for storage. Right. So recently with my two boys, I started fishing out some of the the, the lots and I still had stuff wrapped with the gum, you know, in it. My, this is, you know, literally 40 years ago. And I was able to put together the uh, 1980s complete set uh for all the top so i've got like you know it was rookie it was a henderson's because he was in 79 he was a rookie but the 80 came out so i found ricky's rookie card i had it was just fabulous to, to be able to walk down memory lane and see all these things so it was fun
2: and everybody's gonna ask did you try the gum so i had my youngest try it <laughs> and he says hey, his
0: name is nick and he's like dad this isn't bad <laughs> it was still the same color it was still everything and the good news was is that because they put the gum right on top of one of the cards right so having it that long some of the oils seeped through and thank god it wasn't ricky's rookie card that it was on it was somebody else's
2: did it so- still have like that little white powder around
0: it oh, yes. yes it did it still had the white powder So you can talk about the preservatives. that's in that stuff, right? I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty fun, but yeah, no, he tried it. God bless him.
2: Let's talk about the partnership that you guys have with no kid hungry. And I think during these times and we're learning so much about life more because we're always so consumed with our, our own lives and our day to day, but now we've gotten a time. uh, We've had a lot of time to kind of step back and see, you know, other parts of life and just talk about, you know, kids and, being hungry, it's just, it's, uh, it's hard to even think about.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So part of the, the Coppola's philanthropic, you know, side to them is always surrounded around children, you know, either be it health and wellness. I mean, I'll give you a great example for here at the winery. If your child, for example, wants to take guitar lessons, you know, or wherever that may be, we'll, we'll pay for those things. Right. So Health and wellness has always been part of our culture. And then as we've gotten to, to know more about the uh, child, you know, the no hungry, it was um, it was a natural fit for us and to be able to we started this back in October. And then obviously when COVID hit, you know, these rates and these numbers continue to go up. So, you know, it's our little way of, of continuing to, to show that we care and do what we can.
2: Yeah, it's really been for all of us to, to really step back and say, how can we help more? Even though you guys do a lot anyway, yep. I, I think of our own family business that, that we have. You know, it's, it's a how can you do more?
0: That's correct. That, that's exactly it. So we're always looking at ways and then and then also getting with our partners, you know, such as the A's and, and getting people on board with it. I mean, as you know, if you start something and you can grab some really good partnerships, this thing can just explode. And then now you're doing a lot of good for a lot of people. And that's what's important.
2: You know, ever since you've come around to help the A's out, the A's have been winning a lot of ball games. I I, I think there's something going on there.
0: It's been awesome to see. It's been so much fun to to continue to watch this, you know, uh, and then to see that what the game yesterday was at 15 to two or 15 to three that, you know, having some of those blots, but it's good. I love it. They're, they're doing great. And we're going to keep this thing rolling.
2: You know, when you look at COVID-19 and we, we don't know when the end is in sight, you know, we talk about treatments, we talk about vaccines, uh, so many businesses have been. I can tell you the restaurant business—it's just a killer in so yep. many different ways. What's it been like for the wine industry?
0: So that's a great question. So if you take the off-premise side of things, which is uh, for the for your listeners, it's the the retail side where if you go to Safeway or whatever and you buy a bottle and you take it off-premise to consume it, off-premise has been um, growing for the since COVID started uh, through Nielsen. It's about twenty-six percent above what it was last year of course right so that's a good number it needs to grow at over 22 percent to offset anything on the on-premise such as you just spoke about with the restaurants right so it's if you will we're a little head but for the most part it's it's kind of a wash um the direct-to-consumer side has been doing well you know i mean that the wine clubs and whatnot but it's it's hard because our on-premise teams, you know, what they've been doing is just going out to support our local restaurants in any way that we can, you know, whatever that may be. And so that's been that has been the kind of the cut-wrenching out of all of this. And you've heard some of the stats. I mean, potentially up to 30, 40 percent of the restaurants may never come back. And these are these are people like yourself to put everything into these businesses, you know, and this is this is the hard part about it. And it's so different than nine eleven. We went through that. We went through the Great Recession. This just came on and happened so quickly and so abrupt. So uh, still a lot of unknowns, but just to try and support our on-premise people as much as we can.
2: Yeah, and we're all trying to support each other. And a lot of people don't know about my interest away from radio, but... You know, our our restaurant in San Diego is 83 years old. I mean, our our baker just retired. He had worked for us for 56 years his entire life. We have waitresses that have worked for us for 30, 40 years. I don't think people understand when you talk about 30 to 40 percent. Of restaurants not coming back. That's all the waiters and waitresses. That's the bartenders. That's the cooks. That's the. You don't have in it. People really don't realize how many people work in restaurants and bars in the state of California who are not going to have jobs.
0: It's in, it's incredible. Uh, you know, you start looking at. You know, we're we're in that same boat with rustic here. Fortunately, we have that outdoor seating, but. You brought this up. We don't know what the next door looks like with COVID when there's a vaccine and whatnot. So when the weather does start to change and we can't do it outside, you know, that's that's a real thing that might hit us all again. So it's tough. And the one thing with the the restaurant world is you know, it is one of our sectors of our economy that touches so many different people, right? The whole food supply chain, right? The whole HVAC, uh, restaurant where, you know, you name it, building, construction, it touches so many facets of our economy. It's insane.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have I have a buddy that for years has basically sold potatoes here in the Bay Area. So whether you're getting a baked potato or you're getting French fries or, I mean, yeah. and, and his, people don't realize like that guy and his supply at all these restaurants has completely changed. And the stories are, are just sad. But I got to think on, on a positive note that one of the great things about a wine membership is that I don't have to exactly get up to Napa to get the wine. I can have it brought to me. I got to think That's a a great way for people right now to be able to, to, to be able to get Coppola, whether you're getting in a grocery store or whatever your wine you ever get. But the wine club is a great idea right now.
0: It is. Yeah. The wine club for us has been and like many people, it's kind of given us a a little bit of a lifeline, especially for, you know, smaller wineries out there where they might not have the retail presence, but they have such a great consumer database to be able to ship them wine. And, And the other good news is, I believe, you know, 44 states we can ship wine. So that's great. You know, over the course of the year, since 2005, when that law changed, that has allowed us to ship to most states, which was a real, you know, lack of a better term, but a game changer for a lot of people in our business.
2: By the way, I've been telling everybody this every single night, and it always hits them We're like, wow, you realize there's only 38 games left?
0: Is that it? 38? That's it. Wow. <laughs> that's insane. I mean that—that that is quick, right? I mean, it's 38 games. That's
2: just over a month. Uh, the trading deadlines just over a week away. Is it really? Oh wow!
0: Yeah. Oh wow! Well, we're you know, hey again. We—that's—that's uh, that's great. I mean, I, I look especially the position that we're in right now, right? So you know, keep it, keep it going. Well,
2: I got well, to tell you, today was the
0: first. Today was the first day of the NBA playoffs, right? That—that that yeah. started today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> How crazy And is it's that? sad to
0: see, I will say, gosh, for the Warriors not to be a part of that, right? We've had such an amazing run. That's yeah. a little bit. But, you know, if you're going to do it, like, all right, well, it's during COVID, right? So, I mean, it's, but yeah, no, that was that was a tough one. But, you know.
2: You know, when you talk about the pool, I think about at my house here in the South Bay yesterday being like 100 degrees and, uh, you know, whatever the humidity was. Your pool sounds real good right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. It is. We're closed today, though, because of the lightning. So, you know, we're, we're shut it down. We're actually, yesterday and today because of the lightning. That's never, I've been now 30 years in the wine business. This storm or these storms like this has never taken place uh, during the during harvest.
2: Yeah, that's it's just I mean, the the light show that was going on. I mean, mean, that's something we we may never see something like that again in northern California. That was crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know when our our next day off is right now. We're in a stretch of like 30 games in 31 days. I think there is a day off somewhere in September. I got to get up to the pool. I mean, have a couple glasses of wine and be by the pool.
0: Let's let you just let me know. I mean, we have got a spot. we we got a whole cabin and, and lawn chairs and everything for you. So, um, yeah, we would love to see you.
2: Well, thank you for everything you do in the community. Thank you for everything you do with the Oakland A's. You know, we truly appreciate it. And A's fans support Copla. It's a, a fabulous wine, a fabulous product. And hopefully, next time we do this, uh, we'll be having a glass of wine. We'll be able to do it together instead of here on Google Meets.
0: Well, thank you, Tony. We appreciate it. I can't tell you all the calls and emails and texts that I've gotten from when the A's are at home watching the game and behind the home plate with the Coppola, you know, our logo and stuff. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So again, you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much to you, your team and everybody in the
2: organization. You're the best. Be well, okay. be safe. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye, Tony. Corey's a good man. So when you're. Grocery store, Bevmo, wine store, wherever, and you see Coppola as an A's fan, purchase Coppola. They support the Oakland Athletics, and you as an A's fan need to support Coppola wines. And they're all over the ballpark. Not that I've partaken a lot in, but they're fabulous. And, Commander, knowing you and your fiance drink like fishes, we need to go up to the winery when we have some time. And uh, I'll, I'll bring my wife and uh, we'll go up there and enjoy a little uh, little copla. And you get by the pool. Are you kidding me? How good would the pool be? Uh,
3: well, it would be great uh, with the way the heat's been here. Uh, this has been an incredible stretch of uh, weather that we've seen. But I would love to go wine tasting. That's on my list of things I'd like to do with you and your your lovely wife is go wine tasting. It is Wine Wednesday today, so I will partake in that later later this evening. So,
2: By the way, now that was a taped interview. Obviously, we taped him on Monday.
3: Yeah, Monday, when there's 38 games left.
2: So, I uh, was notified that a package had arrived at my home for me. In my hand, what has just arrived is my Oakland A's putter cover. Yes, every putter needs a cover. And I lost mine years ago. And I just never replaced it. And I was on MLB.com and did a little shopping and just got my new putter cover that has the Oakland A's, the standard Oakland Athletics with the A's, apostrophe, apostrophe F's in the middle. And then down below has the, you know, I'll put it out on Twitter. Very excited. I've actually done a lot of Uh, online shopping lately that is going to be coming my way and the first of many boxes let's just say i've never really done online shopping all that much it's exciting to get a box
3: yeah uh trust me i live with the person i live with the, the queen of uh shopping on amazon i come home when i when we used to have to go in for work i would come home and there'd be packages at the door, and I'm like, oh, what did I order? And I'm like, well, I haven't ordered anything, and it just says address to Dina every single time. I'm like, oh, well, like, literally, I'd come home, there'd be three or four packages at the door, or if I'm sitting here doing the show, I'll hear the doorbell go off because Amazon dropped off a package. So uh, online shopping is big now. I'm glad you're partaking in it because it's kind of the way of the future, and um, it's much yeah, easier Yeah, you got to get, get me there.
2: off MLB.com because I, I ordered the poker chips the to mark your golf ball, A's poker chips. I ordered that. Uh, I've ordered all kinds of stuff. I could become dangerous. You know, after I get done with the show, 1130 midnight, it's not like I can just go to sleep. Takes time to wind down after doing uh, the A's clubhouse show. So, uh, my purchases are going to start coming in. I'm very excited. Now, remember I went on that bender where I bought, I bought a bunch of new A's golf shirts for the season, which those haven't come in handy since we normally do our shows down the left field line right before game, so I had I have a new wardrobe, new A's wardrobe, that I'm not going to be able to unveil this year. Kinda of sad. Just to kind of give you an idea what the A's are up against here. Arizona has won ten of their last thirteen. They've got a season-best six-game winning streak. They're just killing it in the last 13 games. Starling Marte, last 13 games, is hitting 4-12. I want make sure this is the right one. Yeah, he's hitting 4-12 with six extra base hits, eight RBIs, and 12 runs scored. Cole Calhoun in the last fifteen games is hitting six home runs, seventeen RBIs, and a 1,015 OPS. How about Nick Ahmed? You think he's doing any well? Cody, you think he you think he's making things happen? The shortstop? He had a good game yesterday. Uh, Homer did drove in five runs yesterday. He's batting five hundred with six extra base hits, fourteen RBIs, twelve runs scored over the last nine games. These guys are coming to take your lunch. What are you going to do about it?
3: The knock on Ahmed has always been his inability to swing the bat well. He's He won back-to-back gold gloves. And seeing him hit the homer and drive five yesterday. And Cole Calhoun, the, and the former angel, hitting all these home runs. I mean, we know he had power. He hit over 30 last year with Anaheim. But now we're seeing all these guys with the Diamondback. The only guy in their lineup that's really not hitting is, is uh, Eduardo Escobar, who drove in 118 runs last year. I had to go back and double-check that he had 35 home runs and drove it 118 runs for the Diamondbacks. And Cattell Marte has been solid for them. Uh, Starling Marte, bless his heart, the former Pirate. Uh, he had a really, you know, getting traded. He had a really rough off season, But, you know, he's having a nice a nice start to his Diamondbacks career. And, I mean, literally, if you're talking about any guy on the Diamondbacks that's struggling right now, unfortunately, it's Madison Bumgarner who's on the I.L. Everyone else is, is pitching and hitting very well. For our good friend Tori Lavallo and and what the Diamondbacks are doing, they're catching fire in the in the NL West, where you're seeing the Rockies kind of fall back, and while well, the Dodgers just keep winning, that's what we expected them to do. But the the A's uh the A's need to take these games against Arizona at home, and then with the Angels coming into town, the Angels aren't very good. I mean, they dropped a the game to the Giants yesterday, and they won on a walk off the day before. So these are these games are starting to get critical because Houston's coming, although. Jordan Alvarez officially out for the season, so won't be seeing him the rest of the year for the Astros.
2: Uh, is, is Starling Marte still on steroids?
3: Starling or or Cattell? Oh, Marte got suspended for eight. Yeah. Uh, well, he's not he's not him for a lot of power, but he's hitting for average. He's always been a
2: good hitter. I mean, he got popped while he was in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Just checking. Is he? Is he? Is he? Is he clean now? Looks like
3: it. I mean, it's weird too. If you look, if you look at Cattell Marte, he what thirty plus home runs last year. Coming into last year, he only had like twenty two career. I think he has oh, one. Right, was... He has like one home run right now this year, but he's hitting. You know, he still has a good batting average and he's driving in runs. He's a that nice. Had,
2: that 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 had PED use written all over it. Once again, if you do something in sports that you had never done before. You always got to look and you have to question it. If all of a sudden you make some major jump, Brady Anderson, Barry Bonds, I mean, the list goes on. Lance Armstrong, the list. If you do something that's historic that you never did before, you have to question it. You have to. Lance Armstrong before he started using PEDs, was nobody. No one knew who he was. There was no postal service. There was no Tour de France. There was... What? He wasn't winning anything. He was getting... If you watch all those documentaries, before he got testicular cancer, he was getting drilled. So whenever I see someone, oh, he never hit 10 home runs in his career. Now he has 30 in a season. You have to you have to question. He finished juice ball era or not, you gotta question.
3: He finished fourth in the MVP voting last year. He hit thirty two home runs, drove in ninety two, stole ten bases, hit three twenty nine. In his career leading up to that, with Arizona and Seattle, he never hit higher than two hundred eighty five in a season. Then he hit three twenty nine last year. He had twenty two career home runs going into last year. He hit thirty two with Arizona. This year he has one, drove he's driven in nine, but he's hitting three thirty. So he's still hitting for a high average, but he's the power's not there. But don't think the Dimex really are worried about that because they keep they're winning right now and they're winning without him hitting home runs.
2: I sent you an article today that was, you know what actually we'll get in. By the way, how everybody in baseball made a big to-do about Fernando Tatis. The amount of time someone has swung 3-0. With some type of lead like that it's pretty slim in the history of baseball so to say that there's an unwritten rule I don't think it's uh I don't think it's happened enough to even say that there could be an unwritten rule many times this Chris Woodard you want to talk about just looking like a bozo Here, here's his quote there's a lot of unwritten rules that are constantly being challenged in today's game. I didn't like it personally. You're up even seven runs in eighth inning. It's typically not a good to swing 3-0. It's kind of the way we were all raised in the game. But like I said, the norms are being challenged on a daily basis. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. Oh, that's the politically correct answer. Oh, that's not even politically correct. That's more of a bozo answer. How we were raised. I I mean, it's amazing. Baseball is truly the only sport that says, stop playing. Hey, the team that's winning, stop playing. Even though the other team could come back. Because it has happened in history that a team has scored a tremendous. uh, Did we just not see this at Candlestick? Not Candlestick. Did we just not see this at Candlestick? Did we just not see this at Oracle Park? (laughs) Did we just not see the A's come back from five? This was seven. We just saw the A's come back from five. And this bozo Woodard is saying, hey, you know way We were raised. Well, then why don't we just call the game then? Yeah. If you're saying this team can't come back and you shouldn't be swinging at 3-0 with the bases loaded because you've already won the game, why don't we just shut the game down? Why should we tell players to stop playing? I mean, it's not like they're throwing it. it's not like it's football and you're up by 40 points with – three minutes of play and you're throwing, you're going, you're throwing deep patterns. I mean, you hat a batter has to step up to the plate. It's the rules of the game. So if I have to step up, you're telling me I'm not, you're telling me there's only certain counts I can swing and can't swing.
3: I it's just, crazy. Yeah. I didn't like what he was saying. Um, the, the whole idea where he says this, this, you know, how we are raised in the game. Were you raised in the game to have your first baseman intentionally drop a pop up so your your starting pitcher could get two hundred strikeouts on the season? Last year, Chris Is that Woodward, how he was raised. Yeah, is that how you raised? Is, or is that what you're teaching teaching your guys? Hey, if you want to, if you want to get a milestone strikeout, let a uh, butcher a ball on purpose. What happens in the next pitch? He gives up a home run. You, you never know what's going to happen.
2: You play the game oh. to win, as Herm Edwards once baseball, said. Old school baseball people are the biggest hypocrites on the planet. And you just you look what you just said there. He's claiming the old school now, but last year they dropped a pop-up f- so a guy could get his 200 strikeouts for the integrity of the game. What a fraud.
3: Yeah, I, that didn't sit well with me when he said that. When what
2: he, a fraud. Hey, 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 what happens What happens if the, the Rangers get out of that inning? A's just erased a five-run def- deficit on Friday night. What day was that? Was that Saturday? That
3: was no, it was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was Friday. when Scotty at the home run?
2: No, 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 no. When the when uh, Tatis hit the grand slam. Oh,
3: the grand slam was that was on Monday. That was Monday evening. On Monday? Yeah, a lot of stuff happened on Monday.
2: <laughs> okay, so think about that. If the Rangers get out of that inning, you can't tell me seven runs is not doable. They have two more at bats. That was in the eighth inning. You have the eighth and the ninth inning. The A's erase five runs in one inning. You can't erase seven in two innings? I mean, it literally is dumb. Like, you, you like, doubt people's intelligence when when, when they have that kind of thinking. So you're trying to tell me your team with you think you have some firepower, you can't erase a seven-run deficit in two innings? So the other team should kind of just lay down? I mean, he even says it in his own words in the eighth inning. You're up seven runs in the eighth inning. You saying your team can't come back from that in modern-day baseball with all the home runs, juice baseball, maybe juice players? You can't come back from that. That's pretty fishy to me. I don't know about you.
3: Well, I also didn't like how Jace Tingler handled it after the game either. He didn't even. St- oh, he
2: called for a cup of coffee to talk about it.
3: Well, he 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 he. Well, first of all, I thought it was it's a joke that Fernando Fernando Tatis apologized for swinging on a 3-0 pitch. Before any Astro player uh, apologized for cheating, think about that for a second. But also think about what Fernando, what Jace Tingler. He was pretty much saying, you know, it was a mistake. Sign you could take it as a learning experience. He didn't even have his own players back. And I, I and I started thinking, well, Jace Tingler was and Matt Vasgersian said it yesterday too. And I I kind of felt more validated by it. He was like, you know, it makes you wonder, like, why Jace would say something like that. Well, remember he was raised in the in the Rangers system. They kind of put him in the position to get the manager job. So maybe. He's trying to stick up for his guy, Chris Woodward, in the Rangers. I, but to not have your players back, that just, to me, that was a bad look.
2: That's how players turn on you real quick. All right. Earlier today, we had a chance to hook up with Luis Gonzalez. What a career he had 354 home runs, 1,439 RBIs, a five time All Star, a Silver Slugger Award winner. He had his number 20 retired by the Arizona Dimebacks and, of course, as a World Series champion when he helped the D-backs take down the Yankees back in 2001. Literally, one of the most remembered and storied hits in the history of the World Series against the greatest closer of all time, Mariano Rivera. Here is my conversation with Luis Gonzalez. Well, it's always great to have Gonzo on the program, one of the most feared hitters of his time and still connected to the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks as the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luis, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they got out to a slow start. Uh, look out. They're playing great ball. They've scored 90 runs in 13 games.
4: Yeah, they really have found their niche right now, and they're clicking on all cylinders. They had a great series against the uh, – The Houston Astros, when they got home, and then, of course, the Oakland A's came into town, and uh, uh, they've been playing well ever since. They're on a six-game winning streak right now.
2: And the one thing that we see in baseball so much is, like, teams hit home runs, they score. Teams don't hit home runs, they don't score. And that's something that is that impressed me coming in, kind of researching the series. Is just how well they're moving the line and hitting with runners in scoring position. Everything for the Diamondbacks is not about hitting home runs.
4: Well, in the at, you know the first part of the season, the first I'd say about seven or eight games, they only aver- they only hit two home runs. So there was a, a lot of worrying about their their power if they were going to have the same potential power that they had last year and. Of course, uh, the ability to score runs. But as of late, these guys have just jumped on the accelerator and have been able to to do a little bit of everything. They've been able to come up clutch with big hits when they need them and uh, get guys on base and uh, really just kind of tr- cutting down on their strikeouts and, and hitting more for average and hitting the ball over the wall every now and then.
2: You know, in your career, you had some monster years and then you had some years that weren't the biggest years of your career. Uh, what do you think this season would be like? It's a shortened season. You know, some guys get out to a hot start. They can't wait to get to the bat rack. They can't wait to get to the ballpark. And then you got other guys that here they are, 20-something games in. They're not even hitting their weight.
4: Yeah, it's, it's been difficult for a lot of guys, especially because, you know, the baseball players are more in tune to routines. And I'm sure, especially the older guys, their routine has been thrown out of whack. I mean, these guys that have been playing 10, 12 years in the big leagues. Uh, superstar guys are used to doing what they do every single day for the last, you know, so many years that they've been playing. But now everything has been thrown into kind of disarray. Uh, they've, they've had to re-evaluate and re-prepare of how they get ready for games. For some, it has worked. And for a lot of big name guys that you would normally see at the top of the leaderboards and averages and doing things like that are really struggling this year to, to try to catch up to everybody.
2: You know, a question that has been asked because of everything that happened with, with the Astros and now limiting video and no video during the game. And a lot of these guys now, these modern day players, they have been so used to being able to taking a bat, go up, look at their at bat on video make adjustments and doing it almost every single at bat. Now they don't get to do it. What all do it at all. You can call it a crutch. You can call it whatever it is. How much do you think this may be affecting some hitters that when you talk about getting out of their routine, taking video away from them has gotten them out of their in-game routine.
4: Yeah, I think, I think a lot has, uh, has hindered a lot of these guys because of the simple fact that that's the way they came up. I mean, for the old veteran guys, it, towards the end of my career, I started seeing that happening, more videos starting to come into effect, and and a lot of the younger players using that, a lot more than what the older guys were using. The older guys would just say, give me his best velocity, uh, you know, what's, what's the hardest he throws, what are his out pitches, what does he like to throw with runners in scoring position to try to get that strike out or what he needs. And now guys are trying to pick up, you know, uh, launch angles and rotations, and you know, just just a bunch of different things. Um, instead of simplifying, sometimes they make it too too difficult. And I think right now, players are starting to get back into simplify mode and just going out there, seeing the ball hitting it, because you really, like you said, you don't have that time to go back after at bats and go, uh, you know, look at your AB and and study it and see what he threw you, and and go back out there because they're not allowed to go into those video
2: rooms. How many times did you ever check your spin rate or your launch angle? <laughs> I never did.
4: I actually <laughs> just tried to put the ball in play and just try to hit it hard.
2: Yeah, I remember we were talking with Coco Crisp about that. Uh, he was on the show. He was like, man, I was see ball, hit ball. I have no idea what these guys are talking about.
4: Yeah, I, I you know, I see it a lot more now with the younger guys, and that's the generation the way it is. You know, I have a younger son that plays in the minor league system with the San Francisco Giants, and, and uh, you know, they're all that way. They are, they're all looking for the different technology of what's going to help them get to the big leagues quicker and, and uh, make them stronger and, and get that launch angle and different things like that. And, you know, I, you know, how hard they're hitting the ball off the bat and things like that. And I keep reminding my son, I go, hey, man, the, the biggest hit of my career was a bloop single. So I don't think anybody's going to ever worry about if that ball was hit one hundred and ten off the bat. If it falls in for a single or a double, or if you hit one over the wall, um, I, I think most teams are more worried about results of what you know, what numbers you're going to put up, how many runs you're going to drive in, or how hard you know pitchers are going to throw strikes and different things like that. So I, I think a lot of times players get caught up in the numbers instead of going out there and just performing.
2: Yeah, that's the greatest bloop single in the history of the game. <laughs>
4: I'll take it. It wasn't the way I dreamed about it, but in, in reality, I'll take that bloop single any day.
2: We, we had Tori Lovello cause we got to meet him and know him down at the winter meetings. And we had him on Monday on the show. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, Tory, you're saying, so, you know, he's a former a and like Torrey we're rooting for you guys. And it's, and I'm rooting now for the Arizona Diamondback. The only time I've ever root for the Arizona Diamondbacks before in my life was when you guys were taking on the Yankees. And, and now it's like, uh, it's a good story to see what the D backs are going on. But you know, with Bob Melvin and, and, and And the fact that I thought it was really cool, kind of the same thing we did up here in the Bay Area is we celebrated the A's that won the World Series in 72, 73, 74. And then we celebrated the team that won in 1989. I got to think during the COVID break, and I know Bob Melvin was on a few of those shows, and I know you guys are pretty tight. uh, I got to think that was pretty cool going back and reliving truly one of the great World Series of all time. And you guys taking down the big bad Yankees.
4: Yeah, Bowmel is one of my favorites. I mean, not just as a, you know, I, I had him as a coach and as a manager here with the Diamondbacks. And and I honestly believe the Oakland A's have a gem in him. And he always finds a way to relate very well with his players and his coaches and everyone. And I love the guy. I mean, he's like family to me. I talk to him a lot during the offseason. Occasionally we'll text during the season because I watch a lot of the Oakland A's games because he's one of my favorites. And I always want you guys to do well. The Oakland A's do well whenever, uh, you know, they're playing. So, um, you know, I'm so happy for him and to see what the Oakland A's have always done with the talent. Uh, They don't always keep it there. A lot of these guys go out there, they put big years and they end up moving on. But you always see his teams and he's always got these young, bright superstar guys that continue to go out there and put up big numbers.
2: You know, there's something about Bob and his relationship with his players, the trust that his players have, especially in today's baseball, where there's a lot of tough decisions because decisions are being made by analytics. So you're, you're trying to put players in the best possible position for them to succeed. And at that same time, you could be potentially taking at bats away from a guy. You could be taking innings away from a guy, but it's amazing how the players understand it and respect Bob. He treats them as men and they trust him that he's always going to try and put them. And the best situation to succeed—that word trust—is so big in that clubhouse with Bob and his players.
4: Oh, you're exactly right, Chris. I think the big thing with him is he's honest with everyone, and he tells you straightforward the way it is. He's not going to, you know, try to sugarcoat anything. And I think players respect that. And 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 he was always like that, uh, you know, when he was the right hand man with Bob Brenly being the manager here at the time that we won the World Series. He was always the guy going around the clubhouse just making sure guys were okay. And if there was any problems or issues, to let him know or to let uh, Brenly know. And, and, you know, you respect that. And, and uh, even if it was a positive thing or a negative thing, they were always honest with you. And I think um, that's why I'm so happy for him. He's been in Oakland for a long time, doing a fantastic job. And it's never a surprise, I think, to the guys that play the game and people around baseball that always see his team in contention all the time and and I'm happy for them right now that you guys are sitting at top of the uh of the American League West right now and and uh, and playing well.
2: You know Mike Farron from the D-backs knew that we were going to have you on today so what so there's some story about Bob Melvin and clowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, he uh he, has a phobia with clowns and uh when he left us and uh, and actually went to the Oakland A's, we were playing. Uh, they came over for a road trip uh, to play in Tucson at the time, and uh, I it was lunchtime and and I told uh, our manager, I said, man, what can I do to get Bo Mel? You know, we all love him, all the guys on the team, and we missed him. And uh, you know, we we I, I said, man, I know he's scared of clowns, so I called a. a place and said hey I need to try to get some clowns to come out to the ballpark and they go yeah sure no problem when can you get them and I said well I need them here in about an hour or two and they're like sir we don't just have clowns sitting around here every single day so I said I'll pay double do whatever and actually the owner of the company his wife and another couple went and dressed up as clowns and sat over the visiting dugout and Bowmel stayed in the corner of the dugout the whole time so uh yeah it was one of it was uh it was one of the funnier things that uh, that I've been able to do with Bo Mel and he never lets me forget it every now and then so uh, he still wasn't too happy about it but it was yeah. all in fun.
2: Yeah, that is great. I cannot wait to get on him about that. Uh, you mentioned your son and you know I think about all the the and, and all the athletes, uh, both male and female, uh, high school seniors that lost their senior year. I think about college seniors who lost their senior years. And then I go to all these minor league players, you know, with the dreams of playing in the big leagues. And if you're not invited to the alternate site, that essentially you're losing a year of your professional career. I just this is just it's so hard to believe how many young men are not being able to pursue their dream right now.
4: Yeah, it's, it's tough. It definitely is. These guys are stir crazy right now. This is their livelihood right now, and they work hard to try to get to the big leagues. And it's only going to get tougher for these guys because I think every organization is going to be dropping minor league teams, uh, as was talked about last year before, uh, you know, the the virus came out. Um, You know, every team was talking about, you know, dropping an A-ball team or whatever it might be. So there's going to be less jobs for these guys. So the competition level is just increasing. And then now you have a backlog of guys that were drafted and guys that are stayed back an extra year in college and you had high school guys that were coming to college. So it's just it's gonna be a crazy year this year to see how uh if if they're even gonna play college baseball or not and all the things that are going on. So uh there's still a lot of unknowns out there. There's maybe possibly not being Arizona Fall League this year. And those are a lot of the prospects that get to go out there and showcase their talents. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are really losing a year of eligibility in college uh, and, uh, and another year for these pro guys that are just a year older and didn't get to get any more experience out there.
2: Hey, it is always an honor to have you on the program. I, I always appreciate it, and continued success with everything you're doing with your businesses. Uh, Bob has told us that you're doing really, really well, and everything with the Diamondbacks. And uh, let's hook up again and talk, as uh, I, I think we're going to see both these ball clubs in the postseason.
4: Well, that'd be nice, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
2: Really good guy, and what a great player he was. That sweet stroke, and yes. That, that, that little blue pity out had in the World Series, one of the biggest in the history of the game. Mike Farron from Sirius XM and the Diamondbacks will join us next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: We're getting stacked up here. We got Ray Fossey coming up here. At 430. But before we do that, he's truly one of our favorites and his show on Sirius XM channel 89 power alley is awesome. And then he does pre post play by play also for the D-backs. You talk about double dipping. Mike Farron is so good at it. Here is our buddy from the Valley of the Sun. You know, one of the greatest things about COVID-19 and being a part of this weird season is every single morning when I'm either going to play golf or I'm going to practice golf. That's my only uh, salvage to what's going on. The power alley gets me going, whether it's uh, XM89 or it's on my phone with the AirPods. As I was tripping this morning, as you had Scott's service on, Mike, it is always great to have you on the program, and yes, I am one of your your loyal listeners. Uh, well, I know
5: because I got a DM from you yesterday morning. We were we, so rather than talk about all the crap surrounding the, can I say that on A's cast? I think yeah. I can, right? We're screaming, the, you're good. The, the like the 3-0 um, Tatis stuff, like we we took the opening segment yesterday rather than that to compare Tatis to um, Soto and Acuna, right? Because they're the same age. And we got into this whole discussion, I, I knew you were listening, talking about like, okay, how does it compare to Trout, Machado, and Harper, right? And like when you look at Trout and see that his wins above replacement for his career are twice what harper and machado are combined like it's like it's just incredible so i noticed you pointed out right away that he's got what 38 career homers
2: against the a's is that it? that's it that's it just 38 he's not even 30 just 38 career dingers (laughs) he's not gonna catch the all-time guy though so all-time in oakland history It's, uh, he's going to catch these guys, A-Rod and Palmeiro at 43, but the all-time leader in home runs against the, let me guess,
5: let let me guess, let me guess. So it's somebody who had to play in the division for a long, long time yes, and be a really, really good hitter. You've heard of him. uh, Probably. And he's in the hall of fame. Uh,
2: yeah, he's got his own (laughs) wing. (laughs) Well, that would be,
5: uh, well, since the move to Oakland.
2: No, no, no. All time. Oh, all time. Then it's Babe Ruth yeah Babe Ruth has 108 like yeah. yeah
5: well and they played at the Baker Bowl right didn't the A's play at the Baker Bowl then which is like one of the great hitters ballpark of all time I believe it was 18 feet down the right field line so yeah,
2: yeah. and he played them like every other week because there was like eight teams so, yeah. <laughs> you know we've been doing unwritten rules for radio slash streaming and I came up with one like like one unwritten rule for us is if you have a partner who's using a fake name, you yes. can't allude to the audience that, hey, this isn't really this guy's name. You can't do that. We've come up with a – you actually did one to the Duke in this to where you asked him a really tough question, and I could tell that Jim was like, uh, when you just went, hey, uh, you know, Soto, Acuna, or Tatis, rank them. Who would you take? And he was like, uh – He clearly had no idea you were going there. No no clue. That is a very um, and when you're doing live, all of a sudden you have to sit back and go, Jesus, how am I really going to rank these three? Well, but but so
5: so we do a lot of the rankings anyway, and so we've we've played the game with Acuna and Soto. And rather than go down the road, which was on our, we have great producers and our producer Hunter put together a rundown talking about the three oh stuff because everybody seemed to be talking about it and I am tired of talking about those things I think one of the ways that we can get away from talking about the unwritten rules is if we just ignore the fact that there are supposedly these unwritten rules, why do we need to amplify it, why do we need two days of Twitter discourse on stuff that's bull roar so so i took it in another direction and jim is really good at handling that i knew where he was going to go with it or at least i had a feel of it we've worked together for almost a decade because it, you're always going to value the middle infielder who does all the things that the corner outfielders do best and so you know then you get a chance to kind of delve into the stats and double check your work and and so i i was pre- i don't think i would have done it if i had if it had been completely out of bounds, but I think with something like that, he knew where he was going to go. He just wasn't expecting me to ask him right at that minute. So
2: about a week and a half ago, and this is what I love because now that we don't have program directors and we have to deal with these jackasses, you know they always hate when when you don't, don't say it. I track. like my program director. He used to be my producer. You say, don't get off track. Don't take the don't take the car off the track. You guys started a show like a week and a half ago. that it got so off the rails so fast. I was rolling, I was driving down the road, heading to the course, absolutely rolling, going, you know what? That is funny. Whether you call it satellite, terrestrial streaming, whatever that was funny stuff.
5: Thank you. I mean, I I think we do get off the rails and we get off track for the, a, a lot of times, but we're just trying to have fun. I mean, it's one, it's just radio Two. It's just baseball. And three, like, man like don't we just need to laugh at this point i mean like every time we turn around to something else that's just like gets us it's eye-rollingly horrible right so let's just have some fun and relax a little bit and jim is really jim is really great as a radio partner at go at following down the path of where you want to go. And we have, we have, as I mentioned, one of our producers Hunter is is really great at being organized. And our other one, Brady is really funny and he's kind of our third man in and man, like we, we can have a really good time. And I mean, this is supposed to be fun. I mean, I think one of the arguments, I don't agree with everything that Trevor Bauer says, but one of the things that Trevor Bauer talks about is baseball announcers don't always sound like they love baseball. We love baseball but we also know what baseball place is. It's entertainment, right? Like we should sound like we're having fun talking about baseball because you know what they're doing. They're paying us to talk about baseball. When A-Rod says something ridiculous, like Bogart's endeavors are the guys that you want to count on when the bacon is on the table. Like we need to have fun with that because that's ridiculous. Like Godly, like I know like it's a great Malaprop and it's very Jerry Coleman-esque, but like at the same time, like that's fun. It's it's just baseball in the end. This is supposed to be a good time.
2: Where uh, A. Rod says Devers is better than Chapman defensively, and Matt Batts <laughs> has to check him. Going, uh, you know about the guy in Oakland, by the way. Behind, well, he said here, Devers was better.
5: Was the best defender this week, but last week he said it was Urshela. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is not true because I don't know if you know this, but Matt Chapman is the best. In like, if you want to argue with me on Arenado, okay even if you want to play a legacy game with Machado a little bit, Machado, like the catch Machado made yesterday was pretty ridiculous. You see that one down the right field line. I know that's not where a third baseman generally plays, but like those are the guys that you would consider in the team photo. And then there's everybody else, right? Like that's, if you want to challenge on Matt Chapman, at least challenge with one of the guys who's really, really good at it. You know, to me it's Chapman, but it's not that, like Arenado is not very far behind him. I see a lot of Arenado. Arenado's. ridiculous ridiculous like his reaction times are like unbelievable so like if you want to argue that one that's a great argument but don't give me rafael devers is the
2: rafael devers isn't even the best
5: third baseman on the left side of their infield bogart's is
2: <laughs> yeah the, the bacon on the table thank you ray rod oh, um uh, you know this series you know we talked to tory before what did we talk to him two days ago or what got him when when Cody, when did we talk to Tori Lavella? Was that yesterday or the day with these we, day, COVID days are all running together?
3: Uh, we talked to him on Monday.
2: leave the house. When was it?
3: Uh, Monday afternoon.
2: All right. So we talked to him Monday, and it was like, and I'm looking at the first 11 games versus the last 11 <laughs> games. And then I watch them take it to the A's the last two days. And I've got to tell you, the two teams that I've been the most impressed with that I've seen live now from the National League West, you guys, and I've been very impressed with the Colorado Rockies. Yeah,
5: I I think, so if you had seen the Diamondbacks in the first two weeks of the season, you probably would not have felt that way. I mean, it was a pretty miserable start. I mean, they, they were hitting well under 200 as a team, and the starting pitching was really, really bad. I mean, Bumgarner was struggling. Robbie Ray wasn't getting out of the fourth inning. Luke Weaver, you know, had his longest start of the year yesterday. So like they really weren't like their best starters were Merrill Kelly. And after his first go around Zach Allen and you got to see Pete, Zach Allen is really good. Like objectively, that guy is really good. So they had a couple of good ones. Now they're starting to get that back in line and the offense is starting to swing the bat better. They swung the bat well against Houston. They struggled in the weekend series against San Diego, you know, two weekends ago. But part of that was because Denelson Lemette had unbelievable stuff. And yeah, I don't think you've seen Lamette yet this year, but he's crazy good. I mean, it's like 98 with a wipeout slider and he's filling up the strike zone now. Um, and Zach Davies pitched a really good game where he was dotting everything at the bottom of the zone. So what are you going to do? And then you go to Colorado, take advantage of their bullpen a little bit, take advantage of good hitting come home and they've continued to swing the bats well as they swept San Diego and then won the the first two in this home and home against the A's so things have started to turn a little bit they felt like this was going to be a playoff team coming into the season um, and they're playing much more like it now they need to continue the rotation needs to continue to pitch well this turn through as well
2: 90 runs in 13 games and it's not like the A's where it's it's the three true outcomes. When they hit home runs, they score runs. You guys are getting them in bunches without home runs and hitting with mm-hmm. runners in scoring position. It's uh it's been very impressive. You know, one guy that obviously up here people are gonna be interested in is Mass and Bumgarner 0-3 with the high ERA. True. A lot of money on that contract. Velocity is down, the velocity's been going down over the years. I'm not gonna say buyer's remorse yet. But I can't think people in the Valley of the Sun are thrilled with the start.
5: Well, you know, what's so weird about it is he came out in his first spring training start in March and was like, or February, I guess at that point, was like ninety-one, ninety-two. So for him to be averaging what 88.7 or whatever it is, or 89 miles an hour on his fastball now in August is really weird and he didn't get hurt. I don't think he had the best facilities available to him in rural North Carolina where he lives during the shutdown so I'm sure he was probably doing more arm maintenance the build up, but. You're right. It hasn't been great. Now, that said, the first outing, he was basically one pitch away. If he if he buries a slider instead of hanging one to Eric Cosmer, he's out of it with six shutout innings in his debut. He pitched pretty well against his Texas in his second start. His third one wasn't good. His fourth one, he was hurt and trying to gut through. And so we'll see what happens. He apparently was, you know, the velocity wasn't back into the 90s or the low 90s like it was in spring training in his um, simulated game on Monday, but the ball was coming out significantly better. And I think, you know, there's a good chance that you see him this next turn through the rotation come back in and it's going to be about command for him. It's going to be how he locates the the fastball, how he's able to use his cutter and it and his curve and change up a little bit more off of that. And we'll see. I think he should get a mu- little bit of a mulligan through his first four starts because, I don't, you know, I think he was trying to gut through some stuff and I think he's still trying to figure it out, but I think, you know, this little break is, um, is giving him an opportunity to reset a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a much more competitive pitcher come out when he gets activated from the IL.
2: Listen to your guys show trading deadline is just right around the corner. You guys don't see really any big names, Mm -hmm. uh, being dealt just maybe some young players.
5: I, I, and it's really tough to see a young player for young player trade, you know, like what the diamondbacks did last year with the Marlins and the Zach gallon for jazz Chisholm deal just doesn't happen very often. So I'm sure you're going to see some relievers move because relievers always get moved. You may see some starters get moved, but I would think that they're low cost guys that are, uh, you know, on the end of their contract, you know, like think like Taiwan Walker in Seattle, like that kind of guy, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of activity because I don't think teams have I mean, first and foremost, I don't think teams have the money that they're willing to spend on payroll, especially with uncertainty of what 2021 is going to look like to be able to commit dollars. And I don't know that they necessarily feel like they have dollars to commit this year based on on the fact that they haven't been able to have fans in the stands. And so. I think, you know, whether we can debate whether or not, you know, owners are forthright in their books or not, but that's going to be the reality of the situation as it, um, you know, as it approaches the trade deadline and why I think it's going to be really, really quiet for the most part. It's I think it's going to be, you know, better hope you have most of your depth figured out now. Plus, like, we're probably only looking at a handful of legit sellers. I mean, we're, we're taking eight teams in each league, right? And so, you know, if you're within a couple of games on August 31st, are you really going to be selling away stuff if you feel like you could sneak into the eighth spot? You know, Kansas City's not going to do that. Detroit's really probably not going to do that. And their best chip, Matthew Boyd, hasn't pitched all that well. You know, maybe Boston or Seattle has somebody that they move. Maybe Pittsburgh does. Maybe San Francisco does but like, there's not a whole lot of sexy names on any of those rosters either that make you go, man, I really want to get that guy at the deadline. So I think it, I think it has a chance to be a a very, very slow trade deadline.
2: So we know baseball is looking into a bubble and it's starting to come out right now that it looks like the NFL could now be starting to look at a bubble. And it kind of takes me back to something that you guys, that I think you said briefly this morning, And I thought was very interesting is unless there is a treatment, we can pretty much guarantee there won't be a vaccine available by the time baseball starts next year. So it's all really about a treatment. We got a lot of, a lot of smart people here in the Bay area working on it. And a lot of people around the world are working on it. They got a schedule out for 2021. I don't know if we're playing and you mentioned this this morning, I I don't know if we're playing this schedule that they're talking about. We could be back into a bubble next year or something that we're seeing right now. The West plays the West, the Central plays the Central, the East plays the East. You know, they can talk about a 2021 schedule, but kind of what we're seeing now, which I've talked about realignment for a long time, which could be happening anyway. Now we realize this could be better for all teams anyway. This could start becoming, wouldn't you say, The new normal versus what we're even potentially seeing with the 2021 schedule.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that there are a lot of things that we could do scheduling wise to help to modernize things and also to reduce travel. I mean, I think there are a lot of different possibilities that exist. Um, The one advantage of the 2021 schedule already has is that it is lined up regionally west versus west, central versus central, east versus east. So they kept with what was supposed to be that year in the rotation rather than trying to shoehorn, you know, the National League West would have played the AL Central this year um, if we had had a normal schedule. So I think that that at least helps it some, but you're right. I mean, we don't, you know, like knock on wood, we get. You know sometime maybe late fall early winter okay there's a vaccine we know it's effective we know it's safe let's let, let's get it out there and let's get it to frontline workers and let's get it to to um you know the elderly and to the people that need it the most and then let's gradually get it to people well then your best case scenario is probably sometime in second quarter next year where you're able to get it enough where people feel good about coming back to the ballpark what does that do for the schedule next year do you wait until if you know that hey listen there's a very good chance that everybody is going to have it by the end of may do you wait to start your season until june Or do you, and this is all hypothetical, right? This isn't from coming from anybody in MLB's office. This isn't coming from any conversation, but like, or does it make sense? Hey, do we, maybe we do the spring training bubble idea or create bubbles, you know, for the early part of the season, knowing that we're going to get out of it and we're going to get back to be able to have fans at some point, you know, further down the road. I think that there are a lot of options that are out there. I think it's going to take a lot of creativity to figure out what the early stages especially of the 2021 season are going to look like and then the other part of it is and this comes this is less about the virus and more about the after effects of the virus in that economically we're not going to be walking into the same environment in 2021 that we were walking into 2020. And with the unemployment rate where it is, how much disposable income are people really going to have to go to sporting events or go to, to do entertainment? You know, how many of them are going to be able to have lost their jobs are going to be able to get jobs back, you know, immediately as soon as there's a vaccine that helps us begin to return to normal. And I think that's the other reality that baseball is trying to deal with is like, Hey, listen, like we may have lost all these revenues this year, but we're also going to lose a lot of them next year. And I don't think that that's crazy to think. And I think that that's probably smart to be planning for that. My hope is that they spend that time between, you know, what we hope knock on wood is the end of the world series this year and the beginning of spring training next year, planning for all of those things to try and create an environment where we can get as much of a season in as possible
2: and do it as safely as possible. I just hope that we can be in Arizona and have beers together at spring train. Oh man.
5: I would love that. You know, the last, the day before everything shut down or two days before everything shut down was the day we had the broadcasters, dinner over at our house. So like, that was the last group get together we had was like, Oh, I think you guys split that day, but like Ken was here. And like, I got a great picture of Joe Davis biting into a pork chop, like holding on to the bone. Like (laughs) we had like 20 broadcasters at our house. And like two days later, our world changed. Right. So I would like to be in a position where when we have spring training in Arizona, let's say, even if it starts in June, it's 110 degrees. We have everybody in our backyard again.
2: Let's end on this. Hard to believe when I tell you this for the A's just 36 games left in the season. <laughs> this has been wild. I've been saying it's like a football season. Every game matters. I don't care how you win. Just win. Style points don't matter whatsoever. What's been your favorite part of this shortened season? Um,
5: Oh, that's a good question. Um, What's been my favorite part? I, I gotta say it's just something real simple. It's like just being able to have baseball back has been really great. I mean, after what was, I mean, especially as uncertain as everything was back in March and the first part of April, when we didn't know a whole lot about what was going on with this virus. And like, remember, like, remember how, how afraid we were to leave the house and how, if you got a package delivered, you would wipe it down with, with Clorox <laughs> wipes or whatever, how yeah. we couldn't buy toilet paper anywhere. Right. Like yeah. all of those things to have baseball on to me has been the best part of the season the first couple weeks were sloppy as hell because nobody had any real preparation for the season there weren't any real game competitions to ramp up but it was great to see it and now i think it's the fact that there's competitive games you would get to see you know young players we get to see we get to see good baseball again, I think is great. And, you know, with the, and I get, I'm not a huge fan of the idea long-term, but for this season I like the idea of eight teams in each league making the playoffs because it it's um, you know, I think it makes things a little bit more equitable um, and it kind of helps to save you a little bit. If you had a really rotten start that, you know, if you're still a good team, you have a chance to get in. And so like watching teams be able to, to, you know, fight for playoff spots and fight for playoff battles that they might not have been able to otherwise I think that's what's going to be really fun over the next you know six weeks or so I'm just happy that it's back it's it's great to see baseball on my TV. I love baseball so like anytime I get to watch it I don't care at what level I love it and the fact that we've had major league baseball back has been great and now the knock on wood we can just keep everybody safe for the rest of this way and we can get all the way through the postseason
2: MLB Now is my favorite baseball TV show. The Power Alley is my favorite audio baseball show. I will be teeing off tomorrow at 7.50 Pacific, so I will be listening on my way to the golf course supporting my favorite show.
5: Well, I appreciate that. One of those shows is far smarter than the others, and it's not the radio
2: show. I've been saying that about you for years.
5: The TV is way smarter than I am. Somebody called the boob tube is way smarter than me. That's true. Come on, you got a former GM on with you. You guys are spitting knowledge every morning. We have three former GMs on staff. If they were really smart, they wouldn't be former GMs.
2: I told Brian Kenny, man. I mean, you're just putting makeup on in the morning. That's all you're doing. All right, buddy, you be well, have some good calls. Hopefully the athletics can get some back, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys,
5: stay safe. Good to be with you.
2: I love having him on. You know, he gives you the national perspective. That's normally why we normally, you know, that's normally why we have him on. It just so happens that in the season you're getting the D-backs, and he also does the D-backs. But Mike will always be a friend of the program and somebody that we're bringing on to do national. And, yeah, Power Alley. I'm telling you, you get in your car, you can have it on your phone, the app. If you love baseball, you should be listening to XM 89. That's what it is in my car. I just, I got the app on my phone. So when I, you know, every morning I'm either going to play golf or practice golf. I also ride my bike. I'm listening to them because their show, not every show's great on there, but their show's fantastic.
3: Uh, I. I've always enjoyed their show, and we know this from firsthand. Wherever, uh, whenever we'd come home from Oakland, we used to listen to the night show, and we're like, "Who? Who are these guys?" And then they bring out a random pitcher from a team, we're like, "Who? Who is this guy?" Like, then we found out, like you know, about kind of
2: like Alex Jensen's podcast yesterday.
3: <laughs> Who? Hey, hey, I'm trying to beat Zach Bay Rudy, the former voice of the Ports. I'm trying to beat his listen record, so I'm hoping the fans of. Have- Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live, and also my my mom posting on Facebook will get us over the top.
2: Well, yeah, you need to beat <laughs> Zach, but you're bigger than Zach Bay. Rudy, come on.
3: I, I need. I'm trying to carry Alex's superstardom here, and uh, it was actually a lot of fun doing that with him. We were only just there for like 30 minutes, and it ended up being like an hour and 15 minutes um, talking about a lot of Ace Cast and the unwritten rules and a lot of stuff. So it was a lot of fun to to catch up with the former face of Ace all night.
2: Well, let's talk to somebody that people actually know. His name's Ray Fossey, and he joins us next, right here on A's Cast Live.
3: Hi, this is Shamanaya,
5: and Shamanaya has no hit the Red side. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24 7 destination for A's baseball.
2: I'm ready for a little Ray Fossey. Do we have, do we have, oh, here he is. All right, play the intro.
4: Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey.
2: Hi, Ray. Tony, how are you, my friend? I am. Uh, I am doing well for the most part. Are you at the Coliseum already?
6: Of course I am. But I, before we start this, wonderful. And by the way, I want to thank you or somebody for including me in our promos with uh, NBC Sports California. They say A's cast with David Forrest, the general manager, Bob Melvin, the manager, and even Ray Fossey. So if that even's okay. That's not a problem. But uh, it's it's nice to. Uh, to be on with you, but I also want to start this by saying you did a tremendous job as you always do with everything you do, but mentioning Commander Cody and how great of a producer he is, not disparaging any other producers you've had, but Commander Cody has been very good. And I'm glad that you brought that up because he's done a tremendous job as you have. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned him the other day. I thought it was outstanding. So nice going, buddy.
2: Uh, let's be honest where I've had some really bad producers.
6: Well, I I didn't know that, but I I don't know who you have, but all I know is that Cody is doing a tremendous job and, uh, whether it's offsite, onsite, A's cash, whatever it might be, he's doing tremendously well. So, uh, you're fortunate to have him as I'm sure, you know, and, uh, it was nice that you mentioned him, uh, with such great admiration and appreciation for what he does.
2: Well, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, one night I was just sitting there and I was like, how can we promote Ray Fossey on the show more? (laughs) So I came up with this idea that, you know, why don't we have Ray help promote this idea uh, on on television And so that's when I went to Cody and I went to Matt Pearl and I said, I have this idea to help promote Ray Fossey for our show. And uh, I can tell you, I can take all the credit for that because it was 100% my idea, Ray.
6: Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. And, and, you know, it's been, it was fun during the the downtime. It's just as much fun during the the time now that the game is being played, but uh, it's nice being on with you in expanded format and, you know, you, you, you do a great job. And, and I know uh, how tough it is at times to do interviews. And I know Commander Cody gets the interviewees and, and, you know, you you do the job, but, you know, you have to do your homework. And I think that's uh, that's something that's very special. I, I heard, was listening today and I heard a guest on another, it was um, not baseball related, but the last comment that the person made was, thank you. And by the way, you asked great questions. And I think That's important. And you do your homework so that you're not just uh, throwing out statements and expecting the person to answer them. You do a great job in, in doing that, but I appreciate you. uh, What's interesting too. I don't read that particular promo because obviously it includes me. So Glenn will read it. And, uh, but, but it's nice to be included. I do appreciate you doing it 100%, but did not want to take away from all the great things that Cody is doing as well.
3: Well, you know, Ray, actually I I wanted to chime in and, and say, I actually write all those questions for Tommy to, to ask all of our interviewees, and that, that's all me. I do all of that. I sit here, I type those all out, and when they say thank you for the, asking great questions, they're really telling me thank you. It's a thankless job, and I'm taking all of the credit 100%.
6: Oh, that's great. I you love it. Take i that back right now or you're fired. So,
3: Fasty, <laughs> the whole thing is that that that's a that's a that's a huge farce. Tony actually does all that. Um, it was my idea with the promo. Tony tried to steal the yes, the idea it was from his me.
2: Idea. I tried to steal the glory. It was his idea. Yes, well, Cody, regardless. Cody you guys Jack, worked Co- in- Cody is the reason that that happened cuz he was thinking about Jeray. I'm a talk show host, so I'm selfish, so I only think about myself.
6: <laughs> well, regardless, it was a team effort, and to the two of you, I appreciate it. It's it's very nice of you, and uh, it's always great to talk baseball with you. Other than that, don't don't jump off the ledge now. It's just two games, buddy. You know, and and the, yes, the Astros are playing better, and you do, you knew they were going to. They they even had a good team when they were not doing when they were doing what they should have been doing. But we knew they had a good team. It's just that they're pitching this year is a little bit down, but they've got Dak Granke leading the pack. They've got the kids coming along following him, so give them credit. But, uh, you know, I still think the A's, still without a couple of guys hitting, like Chris Davis, again, not in the lineup tonight. Matt Chapman is not hitting like he's going to. Matt Olson is hitting home runs, but not uh, for the batting average and doing the thing. So, you know, this ball club is being carried by a few players, and I think when they all start clicking together, and guys like Frankie Montas yesterday, you know what it proved yesterday, Tony. And, and it's, it's funny, we talk about timing, and, and, and Scott Emerson, the great A's pitching coach, will say, hitting is timing, pitching, as you know, is disrupting the timing. I've heard you say that and, and what he has said. But if you think about a pitcher who misses time, and granted, we want to make sure they're healthy, but even in this normal circumstances, let's say Frankie had made his turn uh, normally last Friday against the Giants, then they still would have had a day off, so pitching on six days. That is That extra day means a lot. And so you get in a routine as a pitcher, and you do what you do. Let's say Lazardo tonight will pitch. You take the day off tomorrow. He'll throw on the side, blah, 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 and so forth, and get ready for his next start. Well, there's a certain routine. Well, you throw that off by one day. Now, I remember there were some pitchers that I, I recall that if there was an off day, they would come and throw because that would be their normal throwing day. They just would not take the whole day off. They would come to the Coliseum or wherever we were on the road get somebody with a glove and play catch just to keep a routine going. So for Frankie to have that much time off, he last pitched on the eighth, yesterday was the 18th, do the math. And not surprising that his mechanics were off the way they were. He will get back to normal, assuming everything is okay health-wise. I don't think there's a problem. And I just believe that when you have that much time off, even one day is a lot. But you take a full turn and a rotation, that's a lot. And, And I expect him to come back stronger than ever.
2: Yeah, Ray, I, l- let me explain this since I've covered all the different sports and I've noticed with fans and with a lot of broadcasters and a lot of media people, their expectations are always everything's going to be good. But I've covered stuff long enough to know that a lot of the times plan A is not going to work. You better have a plan B and a plan C and you may have what you think going into a football game are the right offensive plays, but the other team's defense may stop those. You better have that's adjustments. Right. And if you don't have those adjustments, right. so that's why everybody, when I keep saying, hey, uh, Hazel Cesardo, I'd like him to go six, but I don't expect it to happen, and it scares me. And it scares me that he's followed up by Sean Manaya, who we know hasn't gone long in a game yet. So I would like someone in between them that I think I can get innings out of like a Chris Bassett to separate them because I know plan a normally in professional sports is not going to work. So you better be able to fall back on plan B and plan C. And I, when I think of Frankie Montas, everybody acted yesterday like oh, Frankie's going to be back. It's like, well, wait a minute. The guy just had some back and neck issues. I'm not shocked about what happened because Obviously he wasn't firing on all cylinders and right out of the gate, Ray, you saw he yeah. didn't have his release point and his release point for his fastball and split are the same and when you don't have either, you're going to get an outing like that.
6: No you're exactly right and he showed that and I'll be honest with you after the first pitch fastball was hit for a double, it's like uh oh here we go and you know sometimes you know I've been behind the plate where you say, well, the hitter's going to take a pitch they don't do that anymore especially if you had somebody with power like Chu hit the home run off of Manaya on the first pitch. And, and yesterday when Calhoun ambushed uh, Frankie with a double to right center field, you know, those things happen. You know, you don't want them to start thinking about, you know, throwing something other than a fastball, but you don't have to throw it down the middle of the plate. But, you know, I agree with you because we talked about when Tony Larusa was with the A's and he had that great four-man rotation, including Stu and Bob Welsh, who could pitch deep in the games. And then he had Mike Moore and Storm Davis. And he made sure those guys did not pitch back-to-back just like you're talking about. So he'd have a well-rested bullpen, figuring that Stu and Welsh could go deep in the game, that could come in and save it, and he's got a well-rested bullpen for the next game. Unfortunately, there's no all-star break. There are a few off days coming up. But, you know, even the circumstances with uh, uh, Frankie Montas and missing the time, everybody else made their starts on normal turn or the extra day. So I don't know if there was a possibility of doing that. But I kind of agree with you, and we have to hope that Lizardo – see, the, the thing that bothers me about about uh, Jesus is that when, when Bob Melman said a couple of starts ago, well, if that's his bad start, we'll be okay. Well, he had a bad one last week, and, uh, you know, the Giants got of ambushed his fastball. So, you know, it's a learning process for a young kid, and Sean Maniah is not – you know, he's not to prove him better like Mike Byers is. So I agree with you, but the one thing that – the bullpen did in in, uh, Luke Trevino and Daniel Mingdon yesterday, they gave the A's an opportunity to have the back end of the bullpen ready to go and that bridge to get to the setup and and the closer. So he's got Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson They tonight have a good group of guys in the back end, but you're right. it, It still requires the starter to go deeper in the ball game. You can't go four or five innings and expect to get that much out of the bullpen because you can't go to your one inning guys, in the fifth and sixth and seventh innings, maybe the seventh, but not the fifth and sixth, you need some. You need a couple of innings. And, and right now, uh, Yusmero Petit is, is kind of the get-out-of-the-jams guy. You know, he, He's not in there. He's capable of uh, longer innings, and maybe he, that will be something they'll do in the future. But right now, he's the guy that they use to make sure that the jam that they're in doesn't continue in the beginning. But, no, you're exactly right. You need to have the separation in the starting pitchers because, God forbid, the guy's not on, and then you have the next guy's not on either, and you're going to tax your bullpen. I don't care if it's a 60-game schedule and a 162-game schedule. You're going to tax your bullpen. And that means that the guys have to step down on the pen. And I think yesterday, Trevino, I mean, it was a blowout, unfortunately. Nine runs in the first two innings, the A's were down. So uh, it was just a matter of eating some innings. Those guys did it, and I think that, that helped the A's tremendously. And, you know, we have to go back to Monday's game, Tony because the A's had that miraculous comeback again, tied the game, and it looked like you know another hard slider away, um, and, and maybe Peralta doesn't hit it. He strikes out, and you know, the A's go in the 10th inning, but it didn't happen, and but they didn't bounce back yesterday either, so they have to bounce back tonight against the same team. There is some familiarity there, but um, they have to beat some of these National League clubs. They did against the Giants. They didn't do it against the Rockies. They didn't do it against the Diamondbacks in the last two games, so they have to they have to pick up some ground to beat those guys because you know the teams in the Western Division, the American League, are going to play well, and especially against a team like the A's, who are expected to go into postseason.
2: I got a real kick out of your buddy Dennis Eckersley, the Hall of Famer, today as I was driving home, <laughs> and uh, it was the Red Sox and the Phillies. I, I kind of now know I uh, probably a, a soft guy like David Price wouldn't, would, wouldn't like X. So, Ek, so basically X during, during the broadcast is like telling like, well, I would throw a fastball here. I wouldn't throw the change up. And the guy throws a chain whack into left field. <laughs> 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 like X like, like, this is what I would throw here. And it's like funny. Cause X, right. Right. You're like, Ek, yeah. no, do not throw that pitch. Oh no, don't throw that. So X kind of like, you know, I throw the fastball here. I throw the cutter here. I, yeah. God, I would love to listen to Eck every single game. It's it, You and Eck together would be incredible.
6: Well, before you came on board, and it was a long time ago when Eck retired, he and I actually worked together. I did the play-by-play, and he did the color. And I'll be honest with you, he was as honest as he is right now, and as he always has been. And that's why when he, he stood up in 88, when he gave up the home run to Gibson, he didn't hide. He stood right in front of his locker and said, bring it on. And, you know, I gave it up. Let's go but I remember when Eck and I were doing some games and there was a particular umpire, I will not name his name, but you know, Eck is doing color and he said, this guy's brutal. He never called strikes free, you know, And I'm calling. <laughs> but you know, I look at him and he goes, I'm right. He, you know, he'll go strike one, strike two, but you know, you have to swing cause he'll never call somebody out and you can throw a strike down the middle. He's not going to call it. And he's going on and on. And, and then he, he, he talked about a player, who bunted after a home run. He says, what are you doing? Swing the bat. I mean, he's, and the guy happened to be from the Bay area. And of course that guy approached X the next day and X said, Hey, I said it, what are you going to do about it? You know, you shouldn't have been buddy, but, but no, he's as honest as there is. But you know, the thing I didn't like about David Price, if you have a problem with somebody like X say it to his face, don't wait until you get all your teammates behind you on a plane and then bring it up to where they're going to back him. The players are going to back their teammates versus X. And, you know, he's a hall of famer and he's, he's, he's done what he's done and deserves the acclaim as being a hall of famer, 390 saves over a hundred victories. I mean, he's a true, true professional. He doesn't beat around the bush. And, and I'm happy to hear that because I, I, I enjoyed working with him because he was as honest as there ever was. And it was fun because, and again, I'm not saying this against my partners now because I enjoy the game, but to have a pitcher, and me as a catcher, I have my notes and stuff. We just talk back and forth. And it worked out so wonderfully just because we had a pitcher and a catcher talking situations, and, and it worked out great. But, man, he was so honest then, and I'm, he's still honest now. I mean, he's, he's the best. He's the best, and that's why I'm not surprised that you said what you said.
2: Well, and he does it. He, it's so conversational. It's, yeah. it's, it's like when, when you're listening to Eck, you know, when everybody's trying to talk and cliches and be careful, he's really just, and it's beautiful. That's what broadcasting really is. Yeah. He's just having an actual conversation.
6: Did you hear last year there was a game they had Jerry Remy and uh, a couple years ago, Donald Siller. I don't know. Maybe Dave O'Brien was there, but they were talking and I happened to be watching the game and Eck simply said, yeah, you know, they were talking about something. And he says, yeah, this guy stole my wife. And I'm going, yes. what are you talking about? But it's true, you know, it's true. But that's how honest he is. And the guys looked at him and said, hey, I'm telling you the truth. This is what happened, you know. I mean, everybody knew the story. But here's Eck talking about it on the air with a very high-powered station back in Boston. But, you know, he's honest. And, and I think sometimes that's what you have to be. And, uh, you know, the game is on the field. And, you know, and what we do and what you do it's kind of a byproduct of on the field, and just like with the Tatis thing, you know, I'm happy that there's so many players backing him, because again, we talked about this that would you like the A's were down five runs in the ninth inning on Friday, and you know, let's let's say the Giants in the bottom of the eighth inning had bases loaded and the guy swung, and, and hit a grand slam. You are going to be upset with him? I mean, yeah, you, you after the fact, you know, you you. Uh, then you might have, but after the fact, when the A's came back and scored five and ended up winning the game, you said, Wait a minute. And I think anytime you see a ball game that closes out, and, and, and again, once you do it once, then you, you can believe you can do it anytime or right? as many times as you want. And the A's thought they were going to come back Monday night against the Diamondbacks after the Friday and Saturday games against the Giants. But you cannot assume in today's world, especially now with the Universal DH, you have nine hitters. You can't assume but the game is over just because you have a five or six, seven run lead, because anything can happen. You look at it, nine run innings, 10 run innings. I mean, anything can happen. So, uh, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson came out, Johnny Bench came out, some hall of famers talking about that seat and how go for it. And, and if they want some, some flair in the game, this young man's got some flair. So why would you hold him back? And um, you know, if somebody drills him, then, you know, they drilled too behind Machado, which is even worse, you know, as you said the other day as well. But, uh, but no, I, I think it's, it's part of the game. The game has changed. We have to adapt to the changes. And I think that's something that, as broadcasters, we have to look down and say, yeah, old school wouldn't do that. Well, that's old school. This is new school. And this is something that is being done in the game of baseball. And I think you have to go with it and and, and not try to be so upset if something like that happens and simply say, well, that's the way the game is played right now. But I, I think there's so much offense and, and baseball wants offense that I don't think you can ever have enough runs on the board until when somebody uh, somebody said 27th out or, or when you're shaking hands, then, then you scored enough. Somebody said that today and I read, but, but it's true. You know, the game is not over like Yogi. It ain't over till it's over. And, and, and in baseball, there's no clock. The other sports, you can, you can stall. You can do what you want. I heard somebody say, well, in football, they can run the ball up the middle. Yeah, because there's a clock and you can run it down and if you keep gaining yardage and you get first downs yeah you can kill the clock but in baseball what are you going to tell the guy not swing did just did you see the story where Manny Acta I think it was Acta who stopped a runner at third base oh it was it was Frank Robinson because he's the one who said when we're shaking hands and the game is over cuz Manny Acta cuz the club had a big lead and uh, Frank Robinson was managing, and he stopped the guy at third so he wouldn't embarrass, and Frank Robinson gravity said, hey, you have a chance to score runs, score runs, because like I said, that it was Frank who said, yeah, when we're shaking hands, yeah, we've we scored enough, and that's it. But, but you can't do anything and think about all those things. Now, score as many as you can, and I've never seen a game of baseball where a hitter goes to the plate and just stands there and say, yeah, throw me three strikes, I'm going to walk back to dugout.' No, between a team sport and an individual sport, all of those things factor into doing as much as you can as long as you can, because of the game of baseball, you never know what can come back and how it can bite you.
2: Yeah. Five times it's happened in major league baseball, canning Tatis with some big name guys. And so it kind of shows you how ridiculous whole thing is. And by the way, what's kind of disgusting to me, the more you look into it, is that Woodward, the manager of the Rangers is acting like his team is down 18 runs. Yeah, he's only down seven runs with two at bats to play. So, exactly. So yeah. I'm looking at the A's. The A's erased five. Just just a couple days before, in one inning, the A's erased a five run lead. If let's right. say Tatis, I don't even know how many outs were when he did, but let's just say he pops up to the catcher, and then they get the next out, and they're out of the inning. They've got two different at-bats. They got six outs to get seven runs. How dare That's this right. guy act like this was, hey, they're up seven runs in the – well, if the game's over, let's just call the game and go home. But last time I checked, <laughs> you exactly. had six outs to get seven runs, which has been done yeah. a bazillion times in baseball. So the fact that he acted like that, I kind of question intelligence there, Ray.
6: Did, did you see the uh, – the inter- it was kind of an interview, but the soundbite of Buck Showalter? Did you see that one today? No. He basically said he when he's managing, and he said he said well, I was managed somebody to do that. And he said I looked down the dugout. He said if my players weren't upset, who am I to do anything? You know, if they're upset, they can take care of it. I'm not going to do anything as a manager. So to your point, that, that not just the fact he have six outs to do something, but as a manager, what are you trying to prove? And, and again, nothing against Chris Woodward, second year manager, but you know he's from the old school. But it's a different time. If you look down your dugout and guys are upset, they'll take care of the business if you think it's necessary. And, and maybe Jabot did that. I don't know that it was ordered. But, you know, then you have yesterday with uh, Mike Trout having a ball buzz up around his head, and Joe Madden simply said, well, it's not his fault. He shouldn't be here anyway. You know, so, so, so I mean, I mean that, that's, that's not that good from, from Anderson's standpoint to have a manager say that. But, you know, it, it is a game that's an offensive game. They lowered the mound for a reason. I mean, if you look at Bob Gibson, a 1.12 earned run average, it was higher than in 1968. It said, you know we got to have some offense because the batting champion hit 301. You know you can't do that. You have to get some offense, and that's why they have done that. And I, I agree with you. I think you may have said or asked me about juice baseball. I believe it's juice. Maybe not in the postseason, but it seems like the ball is really traveling now as as well as it did last year. Strikeouts are up, home runs are up, and it's a uh, it's a situation where. You cannot assume until you get that final out and you are shaking hands that the game is over because it in anything can happen because it's out and not a clock. And I think that's where fans have to realize the game of baseball is simply that part of the game that you have to realize.
2: Yeah. uh, When did Chris Woodard get, get into the game of baseball because I've got the, the other times this has happened. Juan Gonzalez with the Tigers did against the A's in the year 2000. Thomas Howard, did it uh, for the Cardinals at the Pirates in the year 2000. Jay Buhner, I can guarantee you Chris Woodward was not in the game in 1996. Jay Buhner with the Mariners did this against the Tigers in 1996 And I guarantee you, Chris Woodward was not in the game in 1993 when Robin Ventura, the White Sox, did the exact same thing to the Tigers in 1993. All these guys, these are all big-name players, by the way, all-stars, did this when their teams had big leads. They took Hacks 3-0 and hit home runs. So uh, what old school is he from? Because this all happened before he was in the game.
6: Well, the only thing I know, and, and we could look up, because when Don, uh, Don Wakamatsu got the job managing in Seattle after being with the A's, Chris Woodward played for him there. So that period of time, whenever it was, for sure. But, you know, Tommy
0: Wait, I wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, wait. Mr. Old School? Uh, he's old school. He's, a, he's an old soul. Take a guess <laughs> how old he is. Uh,
6: probably in his early 40s.
2: Uh, he's four years younger than I am. He's forty-four. Mister Old School is just forty-four oh, wow. years old.
6: Yeah, yeah. See, I, I like what Colin McHugh said. He, he, you know, he's with the Diamond or the uh, Astros. I think in Boston and opted out or whatever. But I said it where I'd read it yesterday, and and he was talking about it. He said, "Listen, before every game, I would pitch. I would look at the statistics, and I would see which hitters swing three and because I'm going to make sure those guys are not going to be getting a cookie 3-0, a cookie fan, a fastball down the middle, basically saying, I, I expect you are not to hit. And so here's a fastball I'm going to throw for a strike. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's a pitcher doing his homework, knowing who guys, which guys do it. Now, on the air, I will speculate at times, i will say, look out, because this guy could have the green light. And, and, you know, that could be in a game-turning situation, not necessarily with a blowout. But still, you have to consider which hitters are capable of swinging 3-0. And I say capable, and I've said before that the manager in spring training will let guys swing 3-0 to see what they do. Because not everybody, they all expect to hit a home run 3-0. That doesn't necessarily mean it. I remember when um, when Bob Melvin and um, uh, Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry hit a 3-0 pitch with the bases loaded, and the skipper said to him, uh, maybe it was the day before when he swung or something and he gave him the green light. And he said, that's the most predictable, predictable pitch you will get in an a at bat, a three Oh fastball, because that is it. But you know, you have to be concerned too. Is the pitcher going to throw you a true 95? Is he going to throw you dining? And if you don't, and aren't patient enough, you could be way out in front and roll over and hit a ground ball, double play. And that's what Tatis could have done as well. He could have hit a double play, but the fact that he stayed back and went to right center, that was what made it impressive. Because if he had really been trying to jack one out, go to left field, he could have rolled over with the pitch outside. Instead he goes with it and hits it to right center. So I think there's a lot to be made about nothing in this situation. And, um, you know, I commend the young man, first of all, for being able to do it. And, oh, by the way, it was his father who hit two grand slams at the same inning, which I don't think that's ever going to be done again. Uh, you know, it is possible, but, you know, that's a feat in itself, you know, to be able to do that. So there is some history in the family of grand slams. But, you um, no, I, I, just, I just think that, you know, the game is an offensive game, and, and you look at one through nine, there is not defense that's mentioned, it's more offense. And even the ninth-place hitter, and you know as well as I do, that now with the DH being employed in both leagues, we're going to see a lot more offense because now you look at the number nine hitter, I think Ahmed hit ninth uh, on Monday night, and what did he do? You know, he, he had a big day yesterday. So, I mean, these guys can do the job, regardless of where they're hitting. Now you're putting a hitter in that ninth position, and sure, Madison Bumgarner might be upset when he comes back off the IL that he won't be able to hit. But the bottom line, you have nine hitters now that the pitcher has to face. That changes the game tremendously in both leagues. America League has been that way since 1973. But now the National League, and I think going forward, we're going to see the universal DH employed by both leagues, and it's going to change the game to the point of offense, to the point that pitchers have to be on the lookout for nine hitters now versus seven, because they could pitch around the eighth hitter and then League with the pitcher hitting as we know, but that's going to change. And I think it's going to really be an offensive sport going forward.
2: By the way, let's be honest, Ray, there's nothing worse than swinging three Oh and getting out.
6: Well, well, that's true. But you see guys do it. Well, the, the kid that, um, well, well, Monday night, um, somebody swung three and zero with a run in third for the Dino and it flew out to center field. And that was it. But no, you, you know, you get the green line 3-0 and to hit your normal way, not to try to hit the ball nine miles. You know, it doesn't mean you're supposed to hit a home run just because you get the green line. It's just you're going to get a good pitch to hit. And especially if there's a runner in scoring position, that's key is to drive in the run, not to try to drive the runner in plus yourself. But you're right. And the worst thing, and that's why Tatis, I think, did a good job by going opposite field, because he was not thinking about pulling the ball in the seat. He was thinking about being disciplined enough to hit the ball to the opposite field on a 3-0 and not taking the chance of rolling over and hitting into what would have been a double play. Because I think there were less than two outs when it happened. Uh,
2: before we let you go, uh, how's the smoke there at the Coliseum? Horrible. Horrible. I
6: think we would have needed masks regardless <laughs> because it's hovering all over. it. And I noticed that coming from out in the East Bay, Danville area, it, it, it's gotten worse. As I pulled in the parking lot, uh, you could see it in the clouds, but definitely you could smell it. And I was listening to a program today, where a guy said, you know, I normally sleep with a window open. He said, I couldn't because there was so much smoke. And that's what's happening. So, um, and, the, and the players, it's kind of an optional day for the A's players on the field. Uh, there's not organized the batting practice, or at least they, they came out early. Maybe the Diamondbacks aren't hitting. But uh, but uh, when I got here uh, in time for this great show and being on with you, that uh, the guys were out and, and just kind of getting ready, maybe to take some optional batting practice, do whatever. But um, they're going to be okay, towning it's going to be fun down this, this sprint. And, and you can think about how few games are remaining. What? 37?
1: Uh, our, we our, are at 36, uh, 20,
6: 36 games. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, it seems like we just started, Tony. <laughs> I know it's, it, it's unbelievable. The sprint is yeah. on my friend. All it right. Is. Have a it good is. call. And then, uh, I will be talking to you in uh, just a little bit here on uh, Ace Total
6: Access. Sounds good, and Cody, continue doing a great job writing all those questions for Donnie.
2: Wow!
4: <laughs>
6: hey
2: Ray, talk to you guys. Thank you, the great Ray Fossey. It's actually an inside joke. Um, so there was this show that I was going to do for somebody else, and the producer of that show says to me, here, I have a list of questions for all the different guests. And I literally looked at him and, and obviously Cody knows who I'm talking about. I went, you write this person's questions. Oh yeah. Yeah. He wants me to, you know, and I was like, are you serious? Cause I don't know anybody. I now know. I really in the Bay area, cause I worked at both major sports stations work with most just about everybody. I really don't know that many people who actually have the producer write their questions for them. I was appalled. I couldn't believe it. Um. Yeah, it, it does happen in the Bay Area, and um, you would be very surprised because usually people with big big bravado and arrogance would not need that much help. But then again, I also know of a longtime uh national guy who same thing, the whole the whole show is scripted. Which you'd be like, what? I'm oh yeah, the whole thing's scripted. It's a fraud. It kinda it kinda it's you make it it's it's kind of sad when you hear it. How dare you say that to me, Cody.
3: Uh, well, I know. First of all, I know who both of those the the show the person here. I know who you're talking about, and I know who the national show is too. Um, <laughs> a quick aside: I, I think I know if I if we're thinking of the same person. I think I know the guy that helps run that program. So there's that. But yeah, I I, I just remember whenever because I had to do that show once so before too, and I remember getting the look of where's where's the question? I'm like you want me to write your questions? Um, oh, I mean okay, I mean I don't mind doing it. I mean I have enough knowledge to do it, but it's like I didn't know that. That was something that uh, all these ho- all hosts required. So that was a uh,
2: new day for me. Fraud alert! Fraud alert! Yeah, like all I- right, coming up. No, Go I'm ahead. good. I'm good. No, you are the one that uh, you did say, "Hey, why don't we have Fossey promote this along with uh, Bob Melvin and David Forrest. So it was your knowledge put in the hands of the Professor Matt Pearl that now promotes us on the television. We're using TV to help promote A's Cast Live and, of course, A's Cast and to continue growing this, which, by the way, I'm telling you, Mike Farron, off the air, was like, oh, man, I wish we were doing this with the Diamondbacks. This is the future. We know the Yankees and the Red Sox and, like, the Cubs and the Dodgers and probably the Cardinals. They may never do something like this, but every – I mean, you don't try – the Rangers, the Astros, the Padres, the Twins, the 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 Rays, the Marlins, the the Bray. Most teams in Major League Baseball will be doing a version of Ace Cast some point soon. They need it, and they're all looking at what we're doing. We're the pioneers. Don't forget it, Bob Melvin. Up next, right here on on as I was about to say on A's Total Access on A's Cast Live.
7: Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's
1: Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: Did we add to that?
3: Uh, a little bit. I think they, they added a little bit to that last year, but we, I think there's like three of those liners from the B-52s that, that uh, Ben got for us when he was touring with them, which is one of the greatest – stories that we've ever heard that he got to go touring with the b52 so um I'll, I'll still sprinkle those in more as i i find them so uh just like to show the versatility of this program it's not just baseball but we got the b52s as well
2: well when their spaceship is hovering over the bay area they're listening to A's cast and A's cast live all right it is now time for the weekly edition of the bob melvin show it's now time for the Bob Melvin Show, brought to you by NestBetting.com. Big fans of the Oakland Athletics and supporters of Bob Melvin. You go to NestBetting.com, you're going to get your mattress. You're going to get all your betting needs and use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. That's nestbedding.com. Bob, welcome back home
7: yeah good to be back home you know we had a, a, a tough couple of days there in arizona so hopefully we can t- return the favor to them here but uh, it's always nice to be at home we play well on our our surface
2: yeah you know what the reality is the diamondbacks after starting three and eight they're red hot
7: they are and we kind of saw it coming in you know we do a lot of you know our scouting stuff via video and you could see that the the bats were coming around you could see that their pitching was really coming around so we'd have probably preferred to play them, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but you deal with what you have to deal with. It's a hot team. And like I said, we need to return the favor tonight.
2: You know, the thing about your team is you hit home runs, you score runs, you don't hit home runs. There are times you'll score without hitting home runs, but, but, but how do you try and get less reliant on home runs to score runs?
7: <laughs> That's a good question. If I had that one completely figured out, uh, we try to do it for the most part when, when we're not hitting the home runs, but you know, we, we profile guys that are deep count at bats. We, we like power, obviously in the organization, we have it up and down the lineup, uh, can be a little bit hit and miss and, and we continually try to, to work in whether it's batting practice, our situational stuff, uh, to put an emphasis on that. And, you know, when, when we're going bad, we strike out a lot. It doesn't look great. You know, we leave guys on third with less than two outs and so forth at times, which every team does, but it kind of stands out when we're not, when we're not swinging the bats well. So it's just something we continue to work with with the guys that we have and, and try to get better at.
2: You know, I got a question the other day in the postgame show, and I thought it was a very good question from a caller. And obviously he was great for you, Jed Lowry, somebody who hit in the middle of the order, who made a lot of contact, got a lot of ex- extra base hits, wasn't home run reliant. Uh, do you think your lineup misses just one guy like that?
7: Well, you know, based on the numbers that Ched put up for us, certainly we we, we miss a guy like that. Um, you know, at this point, you know, Robbie Grossman's a guy that makes some contact, draws some walks, gets on base. Uh, Tony Kemp's been pretty good at that as well. Um, you know, Ramon at times when, when he's swinging good, but you know, it, certainly we could benefit by guys like that. But at the end of the day, we, we do like the guys we have here. Uh, like I said, when you're when you're going bad, it, it kind of stands out. But you know what? Jed had great years for us. There's no doubt about it. And he was one of those guys that you're talking about that uh, does put the ball in play and, and, and makes the defense work at times instead of strikeouts and, and not make the defense work.
2: You know, one thing you hate to see is when your best pitcher, you know, goes down for a little bit, Frankie, with the back and the neck. And it happens to all of us, right? I mean, you you sleep wrong and you wake up and all of a sudden, you, you know, something's wrong. And then I really look at his outing where he, obviously he wasn't great, but he just looked off. And that to me is something to kind of... I'm not going to say you expect it, but I understand it. It's like you get thrown off from where you were and all of a sudden you're back at it pitching on the mound. I could see where you could be a little off.
7: He was and, and admittedly so yesterday. So you could see it right away. The, the below was there. Uh, at times he threw consistent breaking balls, but at times it was in the middle of the plate. Really was fighting himself on where the ball was going. And for a power guy, you know, obviously you can get a little out of sync and, and things go poorly. So, you know, baseball is very routine oriented. These guys go through a five-day process of getting ready for their next start. He was skipped all the way around, had to deal with, with not throwing at all for a while. And then yesterday was just off. So, you know, we'll just have to chalk that one up. And I think it'll be more consistent next time out.
2: You know, it's great to have Ramon Laureano back, but even when he was gone, Bob, your outfield. Wow. I mean, you talked about Robbie Grossman. You know, we had him on the program and he talked about all the extra work. He got down there in Houston, actually worked with Jed Lowry. But, you know, during the time of the of the break during COVID, he worked really hard. Steven Piscotty's getting hot. My God, the the year that mark canna has delivered for you now ramon back i mean you got a luxury of riches in the outfield
7: we do and in, in find trying to find nine spots you know for these guys which which is leaving kd out some at this point so yeah i mean you know robbie's made terrific adjustments this might be his best work and the best he's felt in his entire career as far as consistency at the plate A little bit more power, too, just staying back and letting the ball travel a little bit more. He's always been a guy that's gotten on base, but, uh, you know, has been a guy that I've resisted putting at the top of the lineup because of his on-base stuff. But because he's driving in some runs and the guys before him tend to walk some, too. So he's been terrific. It's nice to have Ramon back. It's just like I said, you know, we we basically have, you know, 10 guys for nine spots at this point, really 11 with Chad Pinder. And it's just trying to find the right complement and keep all these guys fresh.
2: Yeah, you think about it in your career, I'm sure there are times where you go, I've got nobody to put in the outfield. I don't even know I mean, I don't even <laughs> who am I even gonna put out here that's gonna give us a chance to win versus you what you have now, and that's gotta be a tough juggling act because everybody needs at bats to stay sharp and there's just not enough at bats.
7: You're exactly right. And right now we've seen so many right handed starters that you know the guys like Chad Pinder who typically play against lefties and KD, old DH against the lefties, have you know have not gotten consistent bats. Now, you know in the San Francisco series, Pinder got in there via the pinch hit, um, which keeps him uh, you know up to speed. But yeah, it's, it's it's you know what, it's a it's a good problem to have. But uh, you know there are times when everybody's healthy and swinging the bat well to figure out which nine guys are going to use.
2: You know, one thing that's always a tough question, and I always hate asking it because, and I have to ask David Force the same thing for the David Force show because we want every to be everybody to be successful. We want everybody to be to be rocking and rolling and firing on, on all cylinders. But there are some guys and some of your mainstay guys that have gotten out to slow starts, and we're now in a situation to where. You can't say it's early anymore because there's only 36 games left. How do you handle some of your guys, your go-to guys that continue to struggle?
7: Well, you know, the, the guys that are struggling offensively that bring the glove out there every day, it's easy to continue to put them in the lineup and, and have been timely. You know, Chappie's striking out a little bit right now, not going through his best stretch offensively. You know, ten you know a week ago, we would have, we would have said just the opposite. You know, you look at all these numbers and they're not great on the on the batting average size, but he's doing so many different things that contribute. And these guys bring the glove and, 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 you know, when close games. And you look at our record in close games, extra inning games and so forth. These guys really stand out. So there are certain guys that you stay with it because they can contribute on both sides. Other guys that, you know, at this point right now with KD is a tough one. Uh, and we profile more with against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, it's just the way it is right now. So, again, speaking to the, you know, the entire roster, finding that the best compliment on a day-to-day process can be a little bit more challenging in a short season.
2: The Bob Melvin Show is brought to you by nestbetting.com. That's nestbetting.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. Wouldn't you say Tony Kemp has been a real nice surprise for you at second base?
7: Without a doubt. I mean, especially defensively, I, I, you know, he's taken to the position pretty easily and it just shows you how athletic he is. He's a real calm thinker. I mean, he, he, nothing really gets him too worked up. Um, And he's one of those guys that does put the ball in play and and gets on base for us right now, which helps kind of complement the rest of the lineup that's a little bit more power oriented. So, uh, it's difficult to take him out right now. Chad Pender does some good things, too. And, and like I said, we pro- profile him more against lefties. But but Tony's one of those guys that can do the, the intrinsic things that, that, you know, that sometimes when you're struggling and striking out a lot, that balances out your lineup a little bit. So he's been a nice pickup for us.
2: You know, I'm sure, and I want to catch you off guard here, and I, I, I'm sure you probably really haven't thought about this. Um, but, you know, it's 13 days till the trading deadline. I mean, it's probably pretty wild. It's probably something you guys haven't, have you guys really talked about it at all?
7: Uh, A little bit. Um, You know what, that's where David and Billy shine, and I I deal with the players that I have. Certainly before we potentially make a move or a trade, um, you know, it's discussed with me, but you know what, if we had to, in a short season like this, I'm just under the impression that we we go with the guys that we have right now. We have our guys in San Jose that we can move back and forth, uh, and, and until something happens along those lines, I don't much think about it, because I do like our group right now, but Billy and David usually have something up their sleeve, so the closer we get, uh, I guess the more conversations we'll have.
2: So with the alternate site with Fran Reardon and the boys down here at uh, San Jose Municipal Stadium, I mean, I literally live minutes from it. It's where I played at San Jose State and where the San Jose Giants play. And it's uh, great that the San Jose Giants and the A's got a deal together. So they are so close. Uh, how much information do you get from camp knowing you know, the younger guys, obviously they, they, they're there for the future but the guys that could help you now how much information are you getting on them
7: you know i get like weekly updates from ed sprague who's our farm director and then i i communicate with fran from time to time on what we're you know potentially going to do what we need them to do we talked a little bit about you know having some of these guys b- bunt down there based on the fact that you know we might do that and in, in with the you know with the 10th inning rule now extra inning rules and so forth so there's pretty constant communication. Uh, We know our guys pretty well. You know, we make subtle moves from time to time today, you know, Caprillion goes back down and Paul Blackburn's coming back to give us some length because of, you know, with Mengden and Trevino pitching as much as they did yesterday. So, you know, there there is a constant communication that's always been a strength of our organization is, is that we do communicate and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're reliant on those guys.
2: Yeah, you, you know, Caprellian came up, went down. and You're like, oh no! Come on, you got to get. How nice was it to get him back up and actually get him in a game?
7: Yeah, that was great. Dude. I didn't have to send him back down again with with no, you know, for no reason to send him down. You know, other than than uh, you know some of the some of the issues would come up as as far as length. But yeah, it was nice to get him in a game, and I know he feels a lot better about it too because sit around for a few days and you know it's not like it's like not getting a hit like machine earlier in the year you know he he, he's on the roster and doesn't have a hit and you know you can press a little bit so and it was good to see him in a big league game for the first time he looks like he's fully healthy again and and he's going to be a a big time contributor for us over the years to come
2: yeah, we recently had his head coach on from UCLA, John Savage, and we talked about the uh, Bruin on Bruin hate of Brandon Crawford taking him deep in the first at-bat, yeah. but, you know, Caprellian. You know, another one of those guys that we've talked about, Bassett, and recently, you know, our our friend Kendall Graveman, you know, these guys that, uh, you know, they undergo Tommy John surgery, and and it takes longer, and it's a brutal rehab, and and there's a lot of mental stuff they got to fight through. That's why I think it was so special for you to get James into a game.
7: Yeah, especially, you know, against the Giants, and gets to feel the whole Bay Area thing, you know, against them, certainly. Uh, not the crowd portion of it, but uh, there is a little something when we play the Giants, and and you know, and, and then he faces Crawford, which is apropos and you know UCLA guy right away. So, you know, a lot of things uh, made that the right outing for him, and he finished up strong and gave us two innings, which we needed.
2: You know, I think about your schedule coming up. You know, you're you're back home, and obviously, you're going to see Arizona. Then you're going to see the Angels for the last time. Thank God because I'm tired of looking at Mike Trout, but then you got a lengthy road trip. Have you thought about that?
7: Yeah, that's our, it's our longest road trip of the year with an off day involved there too. And, and when we come back, I think we're, we're close to the 40 game mark. So there, I think there's only going to be like 20 games or so left once we get back from that. So not only is it a long road trip, it's an important one because obviously we're getting a little bit closer to, to the end. So uh, you know, we go into to Texas and uh, in Houston, which are can be difficult places to play, and then then have an off day and finish up in Seattle. So it's going to be in a very important road trip for us.
2: Now, baseball has changed dramatically, Bob, and you know about the whole Fernando Tatis in Texas. And, I, and I'm sure I, I think about that grizzled veteran group you came up with the uh, – 84 Tigers had just won the World Series with all those great players and Sparky and you come up in 85 and baseball was a different deal. And, and I think now I'm like, I don't care what the score is. If I got bases loaded and a guy's going to throw me a three zero cookie, I'd be swinging out of my shoes right now because I'd be caring about my stats. And, and I mean, baseball has changed. Where are you with all this now? These unwritten rules—I've never seen a rule that says you can't swing three zero, no matter what the score is. I—I I, some of these things I, I kind of seem really bad for baseball, especially especially if we're trying to grow the actual popularity of the game. Where were you on the Fernando Tatis situation?
7: Yeah, you know we're—you ba- you have to adjust with the times, not just baseball, but in general. And, and baseball has changed. And, and when you talk about the Tiger team, you also talk about the Giant teams I was on, where. You know, if it's guys like Mike Kruko and Don Robinson and Vida Blue and those guys, and if you took a big swing, uh, you might find the next one pretty close to you. So it has changed dramatically. You know, it, I, I think I'm okay with that, and, and I'm a little bit old school as well. You know, there's so many things that have changed in the game now. You know, with, with, the, with so many home runs being hit, you know, you're up by seven, you go back out for the next inning, and someone hits a two-run homer, now, you're having to look at your bullpen differently, and and there are a lot of things that, that play into that. Plus, like you said, 3 0 might be the only fastball count you get now. I mean, you take one down the middle 3 0, 3 1, you might see a slider or a changeup. It's just, it's difficult to find fastball counts now. So, um, I wasn't as strict on that one. And, and uh, I think, like I said, you got to make adjustments as you go along.
2: You know, you're a sports fan, Bob, and in other sports, it's kind of laughable the way baseball handles itself. You're a warrior fan. Are you going to tell Steph Curry not to shoot a three? When the Warriors are up 10, that, no. If, if, if the Lakers are up 13, are you going to tell LeBron James not to have a big dunk? No. I brought up this yesterday in our telecast. I said uh, in 1997, when Tiger Woods is blowing away the field at the Masters and he won by 12 over Tom Kite, are you going to tell Tiger Woods to stop birding holes? It, it just seems so ridiculous in other sports when we do that kind of analogy. Yeah,
7: those are good comparisons, and you know, when I was playing high school basketball, if I dribbled the ball between my legs and lost it, I'd be sitting on the bench for the rest of the quarter or the rest or half. Nowadays, it's just the norm. So it's just as as we speak about adjustments and uh, to where you are now, and and letting guys be themselves, and so it's a little different look from from what you looked at, and you know, I, I think uh, you have to you have to uh, adjust along the way because it's just the way it is right now, and. You know what? It's, it's a little bit more of an exciting game, too, with with some of the celebrations and so forth uh, that the guys do now that that was it was not happening, you know, as of 10 years ago or so.
2: Can you imagine a young Bob Melvin in long basketball shorts playing <laughs> above the rim reverse Duncan? What you could have been like back then if you got to play in today's rules?
7: Well, I, I probably still wouldn't have made it any farther than I did at the time, but it would have been a lot more fun. The three-point line when I played, you know, we lost a, a CCS sectional game to Saratoga, 113-103, and there were no three-point line then. I can't even imagine what the score of that game might have been if there was a three-point line because we, there were a lot of guys in that game taking, taking some long shots. So, yes, it would have been a little bit more fun had I moved up, somewhere else and maybe played in, in a major college? Probably not.
2: Would you have been a stretch four? Well, you know what? Our,
7: you know, and nobody wants to hear this, but our, our team was in menlo Atherton. We were all six two in the starting lineup. So, dependent on zone, dependent on man-to-man, I, I, you played different positions. So, I could shoot. I wasn't as uh, good underneath the basket, but, uh, you know, you, you play to your strengths, and, and we had a lot of fun doing it.
2: Bob Melvin, the Larry Bird of his time, joining us here on AceCast and AceCast Live. All right, Skip, I wish I said I was going to see you, but I'm not going to see you. Good luck with this series, and we will talk to you next week.
7: You got it. Every time I finish my Zoom call with Ken Korak, we always kick it back to Chris Townsend in the treehouse, even though you're not in the treehouse, but hopefully soon.
2: Yeah, I wish. I wish. Of course, the Bob Melvin show is brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's N-E-S-T bedding.com. You want great deals, nest bedding. You need a mattress, you need sheets, you need pillows, whatever you need. Nestbedding.com. Huge fans of the green and gold and big supporters of Bob Melvin. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. Go to nestbedding.com. Cody, what do you got? Uh, I don't got
3: anything. We're out of time. So that's it for today.
2: Uh, are you shocked that everything that we have talked about uh, when it comes to the National League West, that L.A. already has a four-game leave over the Rockies, four-and-a-half games over Arizona, five over San Diego, nine over San Francisco. It just tells you that out of nowhere, uh, the Dodgers are playing really good baseball again.
3: Yeah, I think they were supposed to be a pretty good team this year, so I'm not surprised. With Colorado starting as well as they did, they've kind of faded a little bit, but I mean they're still a surprise to everyone. Uh my, my Marlins aren't playing well, so I'm a little I'm getting a little worried about the Marlins.
2: And then over on the flip side, over the American League West, the A's lead by two and a half over the Strows. Rangers are five back, Anaheim eight, and Seattle nine and a half. I had to bust Mike Farron off the air. They they did a whole segment with Scott Service today. And I'm like, I'm chipping and pitching on the practicing golf today, and you're talking you're doing twelve minutes on the Mariners who've lost seven in a row and are nine and a half games back. Is there really anything? What's the kid? Is it Evan White?
3: Uh well Kyle Lewis is a star is the, the kid that's playing really well for them in center field. Yeah, but Evan
2: White's a the kid they give all that money to? Yeah,
3: six years like twenty four million.
2: Oh yeah, he can't, he can't, he can't make contact. But when he does, he's hit a couple out. Yay!
3: He has four home runs. He had two of them in the game the other night.
2: <laughs> How many strikeouts?
3: Uh, a lot. And he's, a bazillion. He has like a like a one hundred and thirty batting average. It's not very good.
2: Uh, Taiwan Walker may be a guy that's traded.
3: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he might be the only big, big name guy that uh, John Morosi floated. Uh, maybe Clevenger and Police I could get traded if they want to get creative,
2: so. Wow. That is a powder keg, because I understand, you know, guys are doing it right. Those guys did it wrong, so they don't want them in their own clubhouse. We'll win without you guys, but then again, these are two-year starting pitchers. You you, you can't trade a guy like Clevelinger. I mean, you how many, how many years left of control? I think they both
3: have a good amount of, time left of control yeah i
2: mean that's that's at some point you gotta everybody has to cooler heads have to prevail as they like to say but i'll tell you what a's you better you better uh you better uh better get that thing back in gear because astros are hot on 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 the tail a's have split their last eight games they're four and four you know what that era is in the last uh, eight games. Uh, it's not good. I remember seeing it earlier. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. 6.36. So the pitching is re- – but we knew. Are, were they going to stay that hot pitching? Probably not. Offense needs to start generating something other than home runs. That's the bottom line. Are we out of here? Yeah. Are we back tomorrow? We're back tomorrow 3. What do you got tomorrow? What do you bring into the party tomorrow?
3: Well, we so far i talked to Bob Nightingale, Tom Candiotti, right. Bay Area nah. guy. Diamondbacks broadcaster and St. Mary Gale and uh, another uh, Cal California North Northern California College star Roxy Bernstein will be on. With Alan, us. yes, Alan will be on the program tomorrow as well. Still working right. on others, so we'll see.
2: We'll be back tomorrow. A's cast live from three to five thirty. Coming up next, you're going to hear from former A and one of the great leaders for the A's. Wasn't here a long time, but he was a great leader. Johnny Gomes, and then at, is it 545, will be ace total access? 545, that's correct. 545 A's Total Access. Cannot wait. So enjoy a little Johnny Gomes, and we'll be back in just a little bit. Thank you everybody for listening to A's Cast Live. What a guest list it was, Cody. You did a great job. When you talk about having the CEO and winemaker of Coppola Wines, Corey Beck, Luis Gonzalez, a former All-Star, what a great player he was with the biggest hits in World Series history. Mike, Mike Farron from Sirius XM, and also the Diamondbacks, the great Ray Fossey and the Bob Melvin show. We'll talk to you in a few.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.